This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking poor things. Happy things, sad things, yellow things, blue things, red things, all things. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, Aaron. How are you? Good. Happy New Year. Well, I mean, we've had an episode in the New Year already, haven't we? We had one that we recorded before the New Year. Uh, You and I haven't talked on this podcast in the New Year. That's true. We had some specials drop in between. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Happy New Year to you too, sir. Yeah, no more. We're sorry for lying to the listeners about our, our New Year when we said Happy New Year to you either other episode. <laughs> we, we always strive for honesty here. <laughs> so now it really is the New Year. Yeah, here we are. This is true. Uh, how are you Good doing? Good to everybody. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. This was a, a really nice week in terms of getting rain. Uh, so this is your weekly uh, Bay Area weather report. Uh, we had some I- incredible wind yesterday as well, uh, up in the 25 miles per hour with rain, and it was very fun. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. The wind came down here. And when you're saying with rain, I, I assume you mean like it was windy and Korean pop star Rain was singing in the in, like around you. Uh, he hasn't been popular since 2014, but yeah, sure, of course. It's not like he doesn't exist anymore, Abe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's living a private life. Like, let me ask you, if if you saw, if you saw Billy Idol, (laughs) if I saw Billy Idol, okay, would you be like, is that he's no longer a pop star because he was only big in the 80s? Or would you be like, like, pop star Billy Idol? guy from the wedding singer. (laughs) (laughs) He's not, not a pop star. (laughs) True, true. That's my go-to for that, by the way. We'll, we'll update your pop, your K-pop references soon. No, I needed someone older. That was my, that was my, that was my main thing that I was going (laughs) for. But, and if there's another, I only said rain because you said rain. So, <laughs> I don't need an update on my K-pop stars. I'm just trying to match your match your your Got thing. It. Unless it's a new pop star named Rain, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I do need an update on my K-pop. <laughs> Out now is a film podcast. If you didn't guess it already, we're aiming to discuss new movies weekly. We dig into film being most important for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun baby topic. This is episode 562-562. You know where this area code is? I don't. Long Beach, California, baby. Okay, there you so go. Shout out to all of our Long Beach listeners. Like Snoop, D O double G. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah. Long Beach company. I know he used to listen. I get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the reason you were hesitant. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this week we're talking Poor Things, mm. the latest film from director Yorgos Lanthimos. And uh, joining us to discuss Poor Things, we have stepping back into the podcast world and has his own adorable way of speaking. It's Adam Gentry. Well, hello, everybody. Happy New Year. I thought I can say that without irony. Adam, (laughs) Happy New Year. You know, again, it's been covered, but how are you guys? We're doing well, but it's it's good to hear from you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thrilled to be here. It has been a minute. It It has has been a while. Yeah. Yeah, but, but uh, you no. know, you're one of the original guests on the show, and uh, it's always great to, to hear familiar voices. I can I can confirm that my hair has not regrown. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so in you case didn't you get were Aaron and I's Christmas package to you then. Let me cross that you off the what? bingo list. The bummer, dude. The bummer. I was really looking forward to that. <laughs> to the to the minoxidil. Uh, it, it really tied the room that's together. Demoxidil. Yeah. Demoxidil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what that's what Aaron and I got you for for Christmas. That's a good Simpsons reference. Like we make obvious ones sometimes. That's a good yeah. one. <laughs> I love when they both wake up and they're having a beautiful morning and they both shout Demoxino and start dancing together. Yeah, in the town square. I was at Universal over the break and uh, 
it was just delightful to walk into Moe's uh-huh. and just look around and just be like, yeah, this is, these are my people. I wonder if they have oh. newspapers over the urinals so you can read and pee. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I've got to go to Universal. I've got to check out this Simpsons land. They don't have Flaming Moe's, though. So Actually, they might. They have a bar. I don't know. Maybe they do. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Wouldn't it just be like uh, a sugary drink? I don't know. Is it alcoholic? Or they have alcohol at Universal. Oh, okay. All right. They, they do. They do have alcohol there. The big thing in Simpsons land was the lard blat huge the do- donut. Yeah, the donuts. They've got that guy. Okay. They got the donuts. Stop, he helped stop the monorail. They have the donuts. That's what oh, they have. but not not the um, statue. No, they don't have the statue. I don't know. They might have it somewhere in there. It's in the ride for sure. You yeah. see that. Yeah. But they've got the giant donuts. They got. They sell the giant donuts. Yes. Yeah. They okay. do. They do. Yeah. Well, this has been Universal Talk. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Let's get yeah. some. Uh, let's get to some show notes. Uh, first up, iTunes views ratings. It is good to get those. It helps out our show. Uh, pops up open the old iTunes charts if you log into iTunes or Spotify and uh, or give us a rating and review. That would be great. If you just give us a, a review of a period and that'd be it, that'd be hilarious. Just type a little dot. Not to put too, too, put a, too fine a point on it, but yeah. Look at you there being sharp as ever. Oh, what? <laughs> uh, what else? Commentary tracks. We do commentaries every month mm-hmm. uh, on this show. And to start off the first several months of this year, as we like to have a theme, uh, we're eschewing uh, a general like, let's do a bunch of movies that are like this, and instead going to cover the entire Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Mm-hmm. That is what we're going to be covering. Yeah. So this month we'll be talking, that's right, Pirates of the Caribbean Curse. <laughs> Golden, the Curse of the Black, oh, the, of the black, of the black Pearl. <laughs> it would have been funny if we'd start out with like the fifth one, <laughs> just like randomly interspersed the rest of them, and then you ended up I don't with... think I'd have the energy if I went backwards, because I'd have to do no, two, I'd have to do really like... Builds- at least yeah. one terrible movie um right. <laughs> first in the, in the, uh, it'd yeah. be a lot um but regardless it's funny you mentioned that because actually i spent um a lot of my holiday break uh re-watching that series so i am up to uh yeah i've watched the first four so i've got one more to go wow okay so it's fortuitous meaning yeah, just really on top of your brain top of the mind right now there you go actually adam i was gonna ask you don't you do you don't you and your family normally watch like the indiana jones films like over christmas or new year or something like that so we usually do either indiana jones or star wars or something along that line uh-huh. um uh but we were trying to figure out what to do this time because last year we were out of uh, out of town so we were trying to figure out like did we did we leave off anywhere? So we ended up uh, switching gears and going into the tremendous Christmas film called Star Trek First Contact, <laughs> yes. um, oh, yeah. which was our, our Christmas Eve movie. And we just had a delightful time with the collective. It was great. Hmm. But yeah, we always watch some kind of big franchise movie and you know, it's just kind of how we do it. Okay. Well, cool. Did you carry on all the way to Nemesis? Was that what they Yeah, did? we watched Nemesis last night. Oh, so you did. So you watched all the those 90s Star Trek. Heck yeah, we did uh, First Contact and we did Insurrection a week ago. Nemesis was last night. We was between Nemesis and going backwards to Generations. But I really felt like just, you know, continuing on and we'll jump back in time probably next week. Great. Okay. Very cool. Um, What else is going on with us? Commentaries I covered. So bonus shows. Um, We have uh, our horror awards are going to come around sometime this month. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll still see if there's other uh, bonus stuff that we get into as far as other recent releases that we still want to shed a little more light on. Um, and not necessarily a bonus show, but next week is our top 10 episodes. So, so be prepared for that. 
because um, that's always a highlight of the year mm-hmm. that we get out of the way early on. And then it's all downhill, some say. Um, no, yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. <laughs> no, so we just step up our game. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We work harder when it goes downhill. Yeah, exactly. That's how it works. You work harder when you go downhill. An old physics saying, I believe. <laughs> okay. I'm just thinking of that uh, Kate Bush song, "Running Up That Hill." <laughs> but yeah. oh yeah, yeah, we do the reverse. It's a <laughs> yeah, it's easier, less you know, more momentum. Yeah, it's a fa- it's a faster jam too. You really, it's like a minute and a half. And it starts off with the line, it really hurt me. Yeah, yeah, oh. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's get this about now, quickies. I'm happy with that. Uh, Adam, let's start with you. What have you been watching recently beyond uh, Star Trek? So, uh, like I said, over the break, watched Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed that series. Uh, I hadn't seen it since it came out. Was struck by the awesome level of production design and set design which um just struck me as being a lot, making it feel a lot more tangible than a lot of uh, more recent big popcorn movies the movie that really struck me over the break that i watched that i really enjoyed with the head scene was uh, the hamaguchi film drive my car mm-hmm. oh, i never watched yeah. it Great movie. um i had the criterion disc um but just had never popped it in and then i was like okay i got all this extra time i gotta watch at least one really long movie put that in and just really really enjoyed it and that's just a wonderful wonderful movie so that was kind of the high point as far as the as the time period went for me well very cool uh drive my car is a very good movie beautiful movie now i'm gonna throw it this really one out. Is. i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this one out of you right now nope, um, nope, you can't <laughs> uh vim vendors perfect days if you get a chance <laughs> to see that i i think uh you'll i think you'll quite enjoy it in the same in a similar way as far as the mood of i'm that gonna movie. write that down. double feature yeah. Okay. What was it called? Uh, Perfect Days from Wim from Perfect. Wim Vendors. You got it. Perfect Days. I appreciate it's, that. It's, it's Japan's official submission for the Academy Awards. That's right. Yeah. From German director Wim Vendors. Right. That that hallmark of, of Japanese film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, what have you been watching? Well, you guys talked. You guys had a special episode about the Iron Claw last week uh, with you and and friend of the show Philip Price. Um, I watch Iron Claw as well, um, and it's a very good movie. I, I think that it is a really good performance uh, turned in from Zac Efron. Overall, it is quite a depressing movie as well, um, but it's handled in such a way that that is um, very emotional and moving. I found it to be thematically very rich with the American dream and also kind of living through your kids and then also uh, this this uh, theme of like toxic male masculinity. Um and maybe even like curses to some degree, uh, if you put that invested heavily enough into it. Um, there are some things that I didn't think were going to work that actually did work out much better. Um, I'm specifically thinking about like a third act sequence um, involving a lake. Um, and I was like, oh, well, I don't know. This uh, shouldn't really work, but this really this is really effective right now. Um, and so it is a movie that I would recommend for people to go check out. I don't know where it falls on my top you know, 10, 15, 20 list yet. I'd have to, I still have a few movies to watch still, but um, yeah, I, I, it is a strong contention for Afron in acting for sure. Okay. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, aside from like just other things here and there of like Bob's Burgers, no. <laughs> okay. I will always be watching <laughs> Bob's Burgers is the answer. <laughs> All right. Well, I've seen a few things. Uh, first up, I, I watched Night Swim, the main oh, release yeah, of yeah. this week. Yep. 
about the uh, killer pool, of course, <laughs> um, featuring Wyatt Russell and Academy Award nominee Carrie Condon. Um, this is definitely a movie people shot on film. Oh, uh, actually on digital. <laughs> uh-huh. um, not good um, is the, uh, the, you know, I actually go as far as to say it's a terrible. It's a terrible movie. Uh, it's I, I really didn't like it. But the premise uh, seems so simple and cool. Lots of movies have simple, cool premises. Not yeah. all of them are good. Some of them are terrible, like Night Swim. Um, as the annual January kickoff horror movie, um, while recent years have given some gems, like last year, Megan was fun, and uh, Scream came out, you know, in January a couple of years ago. It did, yeah. I mean, so, you know, there was some, like, hey, maybe things that these don't have to always be kind of throwaway terrible. But no, this one was uh, back to the bottom. Mm. Um wasn't a fan. It has no genuine tension or scares. Um, the being based on a five minute short film, the way it has to stretch it out to be 80 something minutes is uh, not very impressive um, as far as how it plans to do that. Um, you know, the works there from Condon and Russell because they're, you know, they're good actors, but no, it's, yeah. just, a, it's just a bad movie. Was not is, a- is there at least a reveal of like, oh, well, this is kind of a, it's a good reason why it's haunted or is it just no it i think it it it's both frustrating and um annoying to kind of see them try to figure out ways to justify why this happens and make that Uh interesting um so yeah that's why that's why it goes from just being like not good to terrible because it's not Mm. like it's not dumb fun either it's not like enjoyable to watch this movie it's just like five minutes in i'm like oh so there's another like 85 minutes of this (laughs) i'm like okay yeah yeah, yeah I saw the trailer so many times that I actually went online on Friday to see if I could find a plot summary just because I wanted to know what the secret was because I was never going to watch it. Yeah. And yeah, you're like, okay, yeah, this isn't exact. I mean, I haven't watched it, but it doesn't seem terribly clever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Can I ask you a question? This You don't have to uh, super go into spoiler territory, but is the is in the trailer, there's a shot where a, a young woman is playing Marco Polo with like a friend. Is that person, does that person wear glasses usually? No. Okay. All right. Well, there goes my theory of like she couldn't see. Um, no, it's just dumb. Yeah, it's, it's, right. a, it's a dumb movie <laughs> where, where it's like, yeah, when the solution is largely get out of the pool. Yeah, exactly. Um, but even then, the movie like cheats. Um, so that's also why it's they moved to another house with another pool, and it's no, it just like stuff still happens when they're not in the pool in a manner that like that's it, not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair, but not ghosts, fair. Like, ghosts don't do this. In a way where it's like, well, this is like, there's no, there's not enough to go on with this to talk about Night Swim more. It's bad. It's a bad yeah. movie. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, let's see. Uh, I watched The Book of Clarence, which uh, hits theaters next week. And since we have our top 10 show next week, well, I'll, I'll take the time to talk about it now. Uh, this is the new film from director James Samuel, who directed The Heart of They Fall on Netflix a couple years ago, uh, which I think is pretty terrific. So I was excited to see his latest film, which is like a... It's not necessarily a spoof, but it's certainly like a more comedic take on biblical epics. And this one features Lakeith Stanfield as a man living in his Clarence, as a man living in the time uh, around Jesus and others. And um, I overall, this movie, it's too long, yet it's still like it's doing the work. Like it's very it's very clever. It's very well acted. I think Lakeith Stanfield, and Elite, that's a really solid cast here overall, but Lakeith Stanfield is very good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mostly a lot of fun. I think it, the way it's handling its take on basically knowledge versus faith and putting that in this specific era and having an all-black cast, 
I think it has a lot of clever ways to deal with what it's going after. It just it feels like it's cut down from an even longer version of this film. And as a result, it just feels a bit too long because it's trying to mash in a lot of different ideas when it could have settled on less in order to kind of maximize, I think, the its full potential. Regardless, I still think it's an enjoyable film and worth checking out. Okay. It looks terrific, yeah. Yeah. It looks stylish and cool. It has it like that what I like about The Heart of They Fall, among other things, is that it is a very stylish film for being his that director's first right. film. And this film carries that forward. Like it's you know, it's one thing to enjoy the comedy, but it's a really well made movie. Like it does the job as far as there's like a chariot thing early on that looks pretty sure. good for yeah. being a comedy. There's a fight scene that's pretty well staged for being yeah. a comedy. Like it, it does all the work. So yeah. I mean, if you remember uh, hardly fall, I mean the opening sequence is like a train heist. Yeah. It's know? a so, fantastic train heist. Yeah, sequence, it's it's yeah. pretty well so, shot. Yeah. Pretty well. So, choreographed. I, so I continue to look forward to what James Samuel is doing too. I think he's a very interesting director. Yeah. Are there any callbacks to uh, the life Brian? Not specifically, but oh. like I certainly didn't have, I, I certainly had that in mind when watching it. Cause there's only yeah. so many like, you know, that era type comedies that are, you know, worthwhile. Mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't like the other employees. This this one team building thing we were doing where at work we were supposed to give our favorite quotes. And so I gave some of my favorite quotes. And so we're I'm sitting next to the other feature people that month. And one of them's like, you know, always strive for your dreams. You never stop believing. And then they read mine and it was uh and if anyone stops you, just tell them that you were sewage workers on your way to a conference. <laughs> And I realized I was I was at a different party than everyone else. <laughs> They're like, we know who wrote this one. <laughs> it's that damn Adam Gentry. What is his problem? <laughs> what is his problem? <laughs> the um that's good. The last movie I'll mention is Robot Dreams. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. This is an animated film that I guess you could classify as a silent animated film. And by that I mean there's just no like verbal dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um but it's a it is a Spanish-French uh, film that's it's directed by um, Pablo Berger. It's set in 80s New York, and it's a world where like all the citizens are animals. Um, and there's a dog who is lonely, so he buys a robot that he sees in a commercial ad, and they become friends. Mm-hmm. And things happen from there that create drama. Uh, but overall, this this film is like it's delightful. There is a, there's a tragic thing that takes place in it that kind of sets the plot in mo like the main plot in motion, but like it's still it's like a very worthwhile film to watch. And like of the animated films that came out last year, there's some obvious standouts for me as far as what I put ahead of this. But this is really great. This is like I, I won't be surprised if it's one of those animated films that gets up for an Oscar nomination. It's like what that movie because there's always like a couple of anim- like international movies that get in there that people haven't seen before. Um, this one is really good and uh, really. Uh, earns the credit it's been receiving so far. Okay. Kind of like when yeah. Kubo and the Two Strings got the nomination and all of a sudden everybody got exposed to just this terrific movie. It's like that or, you know, like when, you know, like a random like Brazilian animated movie will be like, I've never even heard of that before. But it's like, it's always critics list and whatnot. Like that's that's where this like stands and all. I, I certainly support that kind of a nomination because I just need to see like other, like it's it's so weird because it's, awesome. it's 80s New York, but it's, you know, it's a Spanish French, but it's like, I didn't even... <laughs> realize what i was getting into but it, uh i i have no idea when it's coming a trailer just premiered uh neon's distributing it uh so i i'm assuming in you know very uh, very you know soon in some capacity it'll come out but it's uh, certainly worthwhile to watch if you could manage to check it out okay and yeah that's out of quickies great mike 
Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk. Where we talk about what the new movie trailers of the week when it's coming out. What we thought it would have you. And this week we're talking Lisa Frankenstein, uh, which is totally in line with our main movie of the week. It is a <laughs> horror comedy uh, written by Diablo Cody and directed by Zelda Williams, daughter of Robin Williams, mm-hmm. in her feature directorial debut. Uh, the film stars Catherine Newton as a teenage goth girl in the '80s who. I guess reanimates the corpse of a of some guy played by Cole Sprouse, and the two go on a like a murder journey. It seems of some kind. Uh, Frankenstein antics ensue, of course. Uh, I'm certainly curious about this, but Adam, where, where are you with Lisa Frank? What do you think of this trailer? I mean, if it if it popped up at some point on TV, I didn't have anything else to do. I might watch it. It's not really the kind of thing I would go for. Um, Diablo Cody is obviously a real talent. I was really pleased to see Zelda Williams directing. I didn't realize she was. I hope she turns out to be a legend. Um, but I it just does, it's just not really my bag. It just looks kind of frivolous mm-hmm. to me. All right. Abe? Uh, I'm curious about it, but... I think to Adam's point, just to expand on it a little bit more, to me, it seems like there's a lot going on. Um, and that a lot going on can probably range from this is fun and, and demented into, oh, now we're moving into like a murder type of thing. And it's supposed to be funny, but you know, they're they're actively killing everybody in the neighborhood. But I'm curious to see how it pans out because I do enjoy Diablo Cody's kind of twisted writing um and the way that she kind of views the world uh, and zelda williams curious what she brings to the table so uh i'm just i'm on the fence only from the standpoint of it looks like there's there's just thematically a lot going on within the trailer but um i'm hoping that it, it it's fun entertaining i'm not too far off as far as general reaction it's more of the pieces of note pun here, the pieces of this seem more like interesting than like what I'm seeing so far from the actual footage sure. where it's like Diablo Cody and Zelda Williams made a movie together. And it's about Frankenstein and it starts Catherine Newton and Cole Sprouse. Like, okay, I don't know what that's going to be, but that <laughs> it's a new modern Frankenstein movie. We'll see or an 80s Frankenstein movie. I guess we'll see what that is. But yeah, like as a, from what I'm looking at so far, it's like, okay, like I, I'm curious enough to check it out perhaps, but like, I wonder if it's going to deliver on something that said, I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. Abe, like Cody has a specific kind of writing style and it certainly feeds into a lot of themes of the times. So I'll be curious what this movie would be tried. would be trying to address specifically. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm interested Uh, in the music. Um, It's music is by Isabella Summers. Okay. who is oh. a founding member of Florence and the Machine, and Florence Welch is Florence Welch, and Isabella Summers is the uh, eponymous uh, machine. So she's the composer for this one, so I'll be curious to hear what, what she's got going on musically. I didn't know that, but yeah, let's, I'll be curious about that now too. Dropping facts, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody does a research. Not Abe. <laughs> You're just the host. You can't be expected to do that. <laughs> Not at all. All I'm right. looking around the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Lisa Frankenstein, it opens in theaters uh, February 9th. So coming pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Frankenstein's in mind. Let's move on. Let's get to our main review for Poor Things. 
This is Bella. Bye, bye. Bella, this is Mr. McCandles. Hello, Bella. No! She's an experiment. Good evening. Her brain and her body are not quite synchronized. But she is progressing at an accelerated pace. Tell me, where did she come from? I shall. For it is a happy tale. I am Bella Baxter, and there is a world to enjoy. Circumnavigate. It is the goal of all to progress, grow. A woman plotting her course to freedom. How delightful. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Poor Things. Yorgos Lantimos was in a good spot coming into this film, having already made various critical favorites. His last film, The Favorite, received rave reviews, financial success, and multiple Oscar nominations, including a win for star Olivia Colman. Poor Things is essentially his blank check film. It's a it's a surrealist black comedy fantasy loosely based on a somewhat obscure 1992 novel by Alistair Gray that's afforded Lantimos his largest budget yet. The result is a story focused on Bella Baxter, a person with the mind of a developing infant placed inside the body of a woman who commits suicide by an unorthodox scientist. With Bella learning more and more, she eventually finds herself traveling the world with the caddish Duncan Wedderburn. While she engages with hedonism, Bella eventually discovers more to life as she makes efforts to educate herself with the intentions of doing good. Adam, I'm curious, have you been a fan of Lantimos's work in general? And what do you think of this film? I, I really like The Favorite. The Favorite yeah, is my jam. This is terrific. I, I turned to my friend that I watched the movie with, and the movie was over, and I just turned to her, and I just said, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> because this, this film is just so, so out there and so wild, and it just is so playful and fun. One thing, I mean, obviously we'll get into some of the stylistic stuff, I'm sure, as we go, but what I found really fascinating from a writing perspective I think it really tackles the sociological questions of nature and nurture because you've got this, this person who resembles a grown woman who's got the mind of a child or an infant and then is maturing very, very quickly. And so she's encountering customs and social mores and all that stuff. And then she's pointing out how stupid they are. And it's almost this way to kind of almost have a, a control group for uh, a study of, of how much of what we do is based on our genetic makeup and how much of what we do is based on our social interactions. But no, I thought this film was terrific. Emma Stone is great. Bella Baxter is one of the standout characters in recent cinematic memory. Mark Ruffalo's accent alone is just hysterical. <laughs> he has this certain kind of a nonce, posh accent that is just terrific. Um, so they were terrific. Willem Dafoe was terrific. I, 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 it's really, it's, it's, I, part of what I love too is just stylized the film is. It's intending to look a little bit artificial, mm -hmm. but as a result of doing that, it ends up, you connect with the emotion of it. Um, I could go on. I know I will go on, but, but big thumbs up on this one for me. Okay. Uh, Abe, I yes. believe you've been on the largely the same page with Lanthimos's recent films. Are you on the page with this one as well? Uh, you know, I, I think you're incorrect in my previous Lanthimos films. You know, I hate everything that he's done before. 
Um, <laughs> so I can't really speak to that. But uh, no, no, in, in full honesty, yeah, I, I do enjoy Yurgos's work uh, for how quirky and, and um, strange things are. This is a beautiful movie. I, I, I mean that from the standpoint of the look of it, but also what it's going for from a character development arc and how that is starting to morph together. Um, and then also in it's sarcasm too. It's in it's uh, narcissism and also it's cynicism toward everything. It's beautifully handled. And I really enjoyed a lot of aspects technically in this movie, including the use of different types of lenses, but also pinhole cameras and different looks of this. Um, I didn't see the trailer. Uh, and so uh, I had heard that people had left in screenings. I was trying to see who would leave in my screening. And to my surprise, there were three couples that left in my screening right before all of the de debauchery happens. Um, and I was like, well, why would you even stay around? Maybe, maybe the trailer did really sell you on a different book of goods than perhaps what the movie is um, doing. But um, I think yeah. you were saying before that, that they, I don't think they would have stayed very long after. Either. They probably wouldn't have stayed very long <laughs> afterward, but I was like, nothing's really even happening here. Like, I don't know why you guys would, I, I guess maybe they just got bored or again, maybe they just thought that it was going to be something else. But um, yeah, it's a, I think that it's a beautiful story to tell. It was, it was weird in ways that I enjoy being, weird like it reminded me of like a lot of Jean-Pierre Jeunet's early movies um like um Delgatesa. Uh, yeah and also um City of Lost Children City of Lost Children yeah so it's just weird and, and quirky and it reminded me of like some Wes Anderson uh, Anderson type things but even more so like in a weird in a controlled and restrained manner but it was is beyond what Wes Anderson might even push the envelope for um all handled in the way that that brought me a very full and rich experience as I was watching Bella Baxter navigate the early days um, into who she becomes later in the movie. So uh, yeah, definitely more to explore here, but I thought it was a very, very good movie. Yeah. I'm a Lantimos fan. I, I like the, these, these recent American efforts he's been putting in, I find to be quite entertaining in a different, just like intriguing or what have you. Like they're just, I guess the, I don't know. Are they British films technically or they're not? It's, based on like where they're set and what have you regardless his his english language movies um i've, I've found to be uh, quite exciting to watch just because they just feel so off kilter and different uh from other stuff that i see and this film is no different um i i think even if you subtract like the overall themes and ideas going on this is still one of the funniest movies i've seen last year like it, it has so much just ridiculous humor in it that comes from these very free performances as far as how much stone and Ruffalo and Defoe and use of like, they're all, they're just like, they're, they seem free of any inhibition and just let themselves go and just be these wacky characters um, that are, <laughs> they, they really feel, feel fully formed, especially Emma Stone's character, Bella Baxter, who is fascinating to watch as she evolves over the course of this film, which is obviously yeah. the, the design of her character because she's constantly learning and observing and taking in information and having new ideas and what have you. And that's a really, that's a really cool way to handle a female character like this, that is discovering so much. And in a year where we, you know, we have Barbie, this feels like a very specific kind of uh, film that could go like right on side of it. Um, and as far as sure. 100%, it would make a hell of a double feature. It really would. I'm not, no joke. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And uh, so, like, yeah, in that regard, like, it's really effective as far as, like, what Yorgos is doing as a filmmaker here. Like, I agree with you, Abe. It's like watching, I had Jeanette specifically, as well as, like, Miyazaki, oh, wow. like, if he made, like, live action oh, movies. that's a great call. I, I think, like, there's so much imagination going on in the design of this world, the costumes, even, like, the score feels uniquely perfect for specifically this yeah. movie. Um, and it's all comes down to, like, how do we... You know, I'd, I'd love to see the art book for this movie because it just looks like it just seems wild to, to like think of all these different ideas or what have you. And Adam, like what you're saying about the kind of artificiality of it all and how it feels kind of deliberate. Yeah, it, that's I find that to be fascinating, too, of just the way it's which is also kind of fitting to the Barbie reference since that world is so specifically yeah. artificial. Yeah. Um, but it it does have this very put together kind of look that is still like it's colorful and lively and feels you know lived into a degree but it's like right. it, it has a it has such a specificity to it that really helps inform what this movie's after yeah um, I, I was trying to put my finger on how to describe that too while i was watching it because when i'm thinking about them in portugal or when she's on the boat and they kind of showed the exterior of things i was like this look feels like it's like neoclassical future modern future but but pre his you know like I don't even know what. So it was really cool. Like it's like it's steampunk, steampunk by punk, way of pastels. Really. Like <laughs> yes, yeah. It, it, steampunk it, it, with balloon, almost like if you will. Um, if you're familiar with Bioshock Infinite, I don't yes. know how many yeah. of our listeners are. Yeah, yeah. Kind of that. Kinda yeah. like that. Yeah. Hashtag uh, hashtag furious jumping. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it is a. Uh, the world in this film is very interesting to to just look at. And even like when it's you know it's divided, there's a the early portion of this film is in black and white, and then it kind of expands into color. And I, I found I did like these choices I thought were just really interesting. I will say, as far as the camera work's concerned, there's a lot of like fisheye lens and wide yes. wide lenses, and yeah, the pinhole. Like there's a lot of stuff here, and I'm not against the idea of Lantimos doing that. I will say I feel like he had more of a rhythm to why those choices were being made in the favorite than this film. So at times when I'm getting like barraged with like fisheye lens, it like, it, it didn't always speak to me as far as why this scene needed that exactly. Like I couldn't find, I couldn't really pin down what, why somebody it felt, it felt very loose. And like, if that's his choice, that's his choice. But it's just like me, it just felt like if I'm going to like go over like what it is that holds me back slightly, it's like stuff like that. And there's a lot of movie here. This movie's two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. And, and I, I never, I don't think I feel like it felt over long, but it did feel like certain points being made were certainly hit a lot at times. And mm -hmm. I, 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 it, it helped, it helped me back slightly compared to like watching the lobster or watching favorite or even killers yeah. of a, sacred deer where it's like why do i if i if i'm like really gauging that like what is it that where do i put this and it's like okay like i there's certain things i admire more about some of those movies but like i still really think this is pretty great and again it's hilarious i mean that's the ultimate thing that really yeah. wins yeah. me over like if, in both conventional and unconventional ways yes yeah. for sure yeah. mm -hmm. i liked abe's um uh wes anderson callback uh but at the same time it's not wes anderson is so studied and deliberate and austere and and whatnot whereas went the most just feels a little bit more madcap and freewheeling even though i'm sure he's got sure. a ridiculous amount of planning and blocking and everything everything just so but yeah it definitely does have that sort of well, wes anderson sense although some of the lines in this are just hysterical yeah i mean there, yeah. there's a line it's in the trailer i believe 
where Bella Baxter, Mark Ruffalo wants to talk to her about something, and she's like, hang on a second. I'll be right back. I just got to go punch this baby. Yeah. I mean, yes. come yeah. on. Yeah. None of us want to punch a child, but at the same time, like we've <laughs> all been in that situation where, oh my gosh, will this kid shut up? And then here's this person just, just saying it out loud. That's hilarious that they use that in the trailer because when they said in the theater, I just laughed out loud. I was like one of the only ones. And I was like, this is funny, guys. Laugh with me. It's not. Well, I was cool. sitting next to this woman who was uh, not with me, but she yeah. was um, with her son and she was an older woman. And she didn't really seem like this movie's tar- target demographic. Yeah. Uh, but she just laughed right along with the whole movie. When the movie was done, she turns to her son and she goes, I liked that. Yes. And her son goes, you know, I just don't know how we're going to explain it to Rick. <laughs> Poor Rick. Uh, Aaron, I want to say something about uh, the camera work before we move on to other things, too. I, I, I thought of what you were thinking about, too. About, well, why mm. did he use pinhole here or wide angle here or, or asymmetrical, aspherical lenses here? Um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to watch this again because maybe there is an in- intentionality to it. Uh, but then you, you brought up the favorite and how it's a little bit more uh, purposeful there. So, yeah, it, it's kind of something that I wrote down as a mental note to to go back and revisit. So I, I have seen it twice. So you have, okay. <laughs> and I, Does and it make could... more sense? I, no, that's why it's okay. still on my mind, at least yeah. to me. Like, it, like, I'm sure he has the logic for it. And if anyone, sure. ha- you know, if, if people feel less challenged by that than i do all power to you i have no problem with that it's just like it just stuck out to me as like a thing yeah um, but i certainly you know the idea of films just playing with that kind of formatting and whatnot like that i'm yeah. all for just because it's I'm, I'm happy to see breaks away from the norm especially for movies that are this and imaginative that still you know know how to engage or entertain the audience so i'm like I'm, yeah know. which is why a lot of like old french films or you know Mm-hmm. A little bit like '90s French films kind of came to mind for sure, because or European films in general. Like European films, they they tend to do a lot of like really interesting camera work uh, for no yeah. real reason other than just like let me let me do this. I mean, like you'll see it in Hong Kong movies as well. I'm, I'm thinking more like shutter speed for Wong Kar Wai stuff, but um, yeah, yeah, it, it's that kind of thing. If I go back to like more French New Wave stuff, I'm sure I could see somewhat similar examples. But at the same sure. time, it's still like you know, this is a movie that has special effects and all kind it has a lot of things to work with so it's like so like i you know i'm certainly happy to hear lanthimos talk about this movie or whatnot and everything and yeah but i mean it's it's splitting hairs as far as like where this takes me because obviously i very much enjoy this movie just like you guys do yeah can we get into some of the characters yes i am very conflicted right now because i'm 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 all lily gladstone and then i watched this movie and i was like (laughs) this is a really good performance from emma stone like from start, I was like, oh, is she going to be this way the whole time? And the progression of it is just, it's such a fully rare, realized character, which I think we're all saying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is this is going to be tough for this. But she is fantastic in this movie. She reminds me that the character is such a full, full-blooded, fully formed character. She reminded me a bit of uh, Eliza Esposito from Shape of Water, the lead there. Interesting. Yeah. Where you, you see the film and you're like, no, okay, that's a person. So so sometimes you'll watch a film and they're just they don't feel you know three dimensional. Like no, that's a fully formed person. What got me about this movie too is I found it really uplifting. Yes, like yeah. th- this movie made me feel better it, in a really weird way. It speaks to why I like this kind of character. Bella Baxter is an eternal optimist, mm-hmm. um, where where all of her passions derive from wanting to learn and educate herself. And, and it leads to wanting to be a helpful force for society, essentially. Right. But, 
but the idea that there's this character that is never swaying in the fact that they want to believe in the best of people yeah that that's a very that's a very hopeful kind of movie even yeah. obviously this is a movie that has all varieties of vulgarity and she's faced with a number of obstacles that are all just terrible men uh mostly terrible men not all of them are terrible mm-hmm. uh but still like the obstacles she faces are rarely anything that are not like you know a couple of assholes around yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, and yet that doesn't stop her from like reading books and learning how to speak uh more properly and right. under you know finding ways to understand the society that she's a part of yeah. regardless of how much regardless of the lack of shame she has in being a part of it i mean the the shame the lack of shame part just comes from the immaturity at first to growing into a person you brought up this the nature versus nurture uh item before and again the way that she the people that she has been around are inquisitive people and they're also true yeah yeah they're you know godwin baxter is he's a professor and he's a medical doctor and he's also just a guy who just likes to do experiments and because she's been a part of this, it's very um, like Edward Scissorhands-esque in that way. But she also picks up on that. So the people in her life that she has been interacting with are just people that think empirically. And empirically is a, is a funny <laughs> the way the way that it's used in the movie is hilarious uh-huh. uh, from yes. from Mark Ruffalo. But um, I I dug that too. Is that yes, like what you guys are both saying? A very positive person with a positive outlook. And she actually gets confronted later yeah. with something else. And you're like, at least to me, I was like, I'm glad that she is who she is because she's a much better person uh, as as Bella Baxter. And just the level of confidence that she has in general. Um, yeah. it, to, to, to some degree, I think of Be- Bella Baxter is a character that you almost look at like the lead in a Western. Because the lead in a Western gets a the chance to deal with their problems in a really tangible, direct way that people in the real world do not. Whereas, you know, Bella Baxter is just kind of like that too, just her lack of artifice. You know, particularly the, there's that one scene when she's still a bit younger mentally and emotionally where they're in the restaurant and she's pissing Mark Ruffalo off. Mm-hmm. And he tells her, okay, you have three phrases you can use. And they go back to the table and she uses her three phrases and they totally don't fit the scenario and they just show how stupid the rules are. Sure. And it's just fantastic. It's almost Jane Austen-esque in that sense of highlighting just how dumb the rules are. Yeah. I I appreciated just how, again, people talk about polite society in this this movie as prim and proper and she realizes that I, I the Gerard, Gerard Carmichael person and when she speaks to the old woman as well, I forget her name, Martha maybe, um, why did you say Martha? Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's just, a, it's really fun that she gets to interact with these people that help expand her point of view and she circles back to her own principles. And I really, I really enjoyed that. I don't have anything else to add to that because I think, I think uh, just covering yeah, how no good Emma Stone is in this. Um, yeah. Mark Ruffalo, um, I think swears the best I've heard in a long time. <laughs> yeah. I really need to point that out. I I made sure to put that in my notes because it's very funny the way he uses swears in this film. Yes. Um, also, he's just very good here. Uh, this is very much, <laughs> I wouldn't say this is like very much Mark Ruffles' wheelhouse, but it just feels like this guy's perfect for this kind of role. Like the way oh, he's, yeah. 
you mentioned his accent and i kept waiting for him to like drop it completely Me too. To, sh- to show how much of a fraud he is <laughs> uh but regardless he plays a very good fraud uh, a very good cad um just this ridiculous man um who yes is inquisitive as far as I, this woman is completely unique to me and i need to like take her away and 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 do what i do with her but it's like this guy is ridiculous in the way he yeah he the way he um masks frustration or tries to impose his own will and just like all these things he's doing which are you know fairly dark when you consider like the kind of person he is but like the way the film presents it he's just he's also so stupid Uh, so it's like it's just very effective and then bella baxter almost gets to be the straight man in a lot of those scenes yes where yes he's he's just hamming it up and the person who's sort of the stand-in for frankenstein's monster is the straight man which is just a wonderful reversal. Of what That's a nice expect. reversal of roles, yeah. Uh, Ruffalo is fantastic. I think a lot of his mannerisms are spot on. Like I, spe- I'm specifically thinking about when he's ordering a drink before he starts hitting himself on the on the uh, bar. Yeah, place. Yeah. Like, he just like he just like points his finger and twirls it, and the guy pours him like a whiskey, and then he starts like you know abusing himself, and he's drinking this. But I love his like his his comeuppance is hilarious because nothing is physically done to him. And nothing is like, you know, directly as an audience member, you're not really seeing anything directly happen to him except he's overthinking situations. And he's such an asshole in this movie, but he's a hilarious asshole. And that's the thing that that is the difference here is like this person is a, a goofball idiot guy who just wants to take advantage of situations. And he might have a golden dick. I don't know. But at the same time, he's just um, he's such a he's such a, an oaf uh, at times, too. And. I don't know, like Ruffalo. It's it's so good to see Ruffalo pulling this thing off because, you know, the Marvel movies have been around for at least he's been in them for, since 2012, if not earlier. But it's been a while since you know he's done a project that's just like him completely a different uh, compared to his others. He, but Ruffalo has been mixing it up. That's why he's yeah. That's yeah. why people like him. He did, he did do Spotlight, <laughs> you know. And they knew he, he has a lot of those kind of movies. Like he, yeah. th- this is like certainly his wackiest role. Yes. Yeah. I guess wacky is, is kind of just more because, you know, he, he's played wacky before uh, loosely. I think I, I'm just like, like, he has, it's not, he hasn't been like off the table in the same way. Like, no, no, no. Like Robert Downey. R- RDJ. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly my comp too. Yeah. It's cool too, to see like a, a flip and another reversal of kind of what you'd expect from like what a lot of other films would have done where the, the guy is, you know, this ridiculous person who ends up falling for her as opposed to the, you know, the woman falling in love with the wacky lead mm-hmm. kind of thing sure. against her own, you know, better judgment, where it's just funny to see him, you know, he wants to just be this guy who's just sort of using her for what he uses her for and just whatever. And then getting to the point where he's just like, you're infuriating. I can't get you out of my head. What are you <laughs> doing to me? She has carved me inside. <laughs> Um, I also enjoy that they've set up the situation in such a way that it's not like he's he is asking for her to go out with him in a way that is uh, she's been betrothed. But at the same time, it's not as though he's like whisking her away in the night kind of thing. It's like they talk about it explicitly with with uh, Godwin Baxter and even to some degree, you know, Rami Yusuf, Max. Um, But um, yeah, it's not as though it's like, oh, well, let me just like serenade you and persuade you in, in a way that you haven't seen before. It's like, you're going to go on this adventure with me and then you'll have a regular married life and you'll see that, you know, you'll just 
experience more in life and then you can become in become a a more um local presence in your household it's like i love that again all of the all of the uh stereotypes and, and tropes of what would happen after this situation are just thrown out the window okay like bella just becomes an even more powerful person uh, and in an in, in, in individualistic person um uh, with a very compelling mind i'll say the film is too light for me to think too hard about the ramifications of like this you know this terrible man coming in and taking oh, this woman yeah, away yeah. from like these guys yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. i i hear it because i don't i don't disagree with you but it's like there, there's yeah. you, know, just, you know move this film a different a few different degrees and it's, oh yeah they're, it's, they're, it's you know, they're awful situations that yeah, are yeah. being presented oh, yeah. and it's up to this woman to like become smart enough to escape them which basically she does so she does yeah it I ultimately mean, it, it ultimately works out but if you yeah. like the the grander thing i have when it comes to that is if you're we'll keep going on performances but just real quick yes. like lance Moses and his right and the the writer uh, Tony uh, Tony McNamara who wrote the favorite as well. Yep. Um, you know it's a couple of guys going off on feminism, like finding their own way of like how they can declare themselves allies, and it's like I can see there maybe be shortcomings in that just by oh, nature yeah. of that fact. <laughs> but, yeah, but, I hear uh, what you're saying too because yeah. I had a question for you guys just around if you guys had read the source material. I had not, or I have not. But I don't know what the th- what the tone in in the source material is either. What they where they adapted it from. I have, I have not. I've read about it, but I have not read it. But... I yeah. I'm at the same place of Adam. I feel like I know enough to say that this is somewhat loosely based, as opposed to like okay. a very dedicated um, reframing of a of that story. Yeah. Um. But like in terms of like the kinds of weirdness it's going after, that seems to be what Lantimos was aiming for. Sure. Totally. Yeah. Uh, back to the characters. I think anything to your yeah. to your yeah. point though, Aaron, the yeah. the tonal control that Lanthimos shows when you're talking about it, the movie moves by a couple degrees. How how we even weirder and darker it becomes. I guess that really just speaks to just the control he's got over over this material and and how delicate and deft his hand is, which again speaks to speaks to him mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, but, yeah, but getting back to the actors, uh, Willem Dafoe. Um, <laughs> as Doctor Godwin, God Baxter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I honestly, the first time for whatever reason, I didn't pick up that his name was actually Godwin. Me, me either. <laughs> that, yeah. that so confused. Occur, that didn't occur to yeah. me because they, you know, if it's mentioned, it's mentioned at the beginning, and then they just, you know, Bella just refers to him as God. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was so a you very, think, like you think you know... he's just being controlling and weird and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. And he he is being controlling and weird, but he wasn't telling her to call him God. It's short right. for his name. Yeah. I mean, the, it, yeah, in regard the movie obviously have its own implications, but what what that leads me to is the fact that Willem Dafoe I think is incredibly sweet in this movie. Uh, yes. <laughs> like yes. for all the stuff that he's doing as a you know basically a mad scientist, his character is very genuine in his emotions and how he feels about Bella in the way he wants to help in ways that are unorthodox but like and like and learning himself as far as how do i care for a person that i've created like it's it's a really interesting performance and obviously it's aided by like this ridiculous amount of crazy makeup he has to wear in his face and all this stuff but i what i really responded to is by the end of this journey we're on in this movie defoe is very respectable as a person and and the characters that matter to him most acknowledge that as well and i think that that speaks to how good, how, how committed he is to this performance and how much he's making it work. Mm-hmm. I think, too, if he was born a couple hundred years later, his favorite song would probably be The Boy in the Bubble by Paul Simon. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is so good in this movie. And and he gets some of the biggest laughs 
uh, at least for, for, for my theater. I mean, there's a line where he's he's talking with Rami Youssef about um, his capabilities. And he talks about what it would take for him to be able to perform. And it is, it's just hysterical. Yeah, he's very good. I, I appreciated a lot of his sincerity. But again, I just kind of appreciated that he was um, just very honest with Bella throughout the whole thing. Um, he's very matter of fact. He's very scientific around everything. You know, if she wants to go and and cut something up, he allows her to, but only on, on the deceased people. Um, and I, I just like that there is even a discussion around, well, did you ever have feelings for this person? It's like, I did, but at the same time, like they're just more fatherly rather than they were like anything else. And it's not like Jane Eyre where he's trapping somebody in the attic and he's like, no, he's right. She shouldn't go out there. Yeah. She's not ready to go out yet. Yeah. Yeah. And then he reluctantly agrees and, you know, he misses her. And again, it's very sweet. Even the way that, uh, things, uh, continue, it's just a really, really good performance by Willem Dafoe. Um, and Aaron, you mentioned the makeup. I thought it was fantastic. That yeah, makeup is, is so it, great. It's incredibly well designed. Ridiculous, I mean, as far as like, he, he's he's supposed to look like a monster <laughs> in a Frankenstein movie, except yeah. he's, the, he's Victor Frankenstein. And mm-hmm. yet, you know, you counterbalance out the fact that this man is a genuine good person, essentially. Yeah. Like, even when he describes his logic for why he felt okay to take... Uh, the body that Bella Baxter's in, sure, do what he does with it as far as putting a, a body, yeah, yeah. new brain in it. Like it, you cannot, you can accept that and be fine with it. Like he, he makes a good argument for what he's doing and why it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and even the the discussion that he has with her around that, you know, he's describing exactly what you're saying, like a pretty pretty compelling scenario. So um... he keeps referring to his own life, his own upbringing, and the way his father mistreated him. To the point where you keep getting this sense of the depth that this guy's got. Yeah. To where it's like, okay, this no, this guy's been through some shit. Talking, and he, talking he, about he, like a dark humor thing too, where he's talking about how his thumbs were locked away mm-hmm. and he had to concentrate on his other fingers and he just started laughing. It's like, you know, this is a really sad story, but the way he's telling is like, it's kind of hilarious. But... It is, but it's like he, you know, the energy, you know, if you look at that in a serious manner, like he hasn't taken all this like hatred and stuff that he's been burdened with by his father and right. put it on somebody else instead he went the exact opposite way and just nothing but showing compassion and love yeah <laughs> which is we can, so let's get to rami yusuf's character because it's like yes. <laughs> i when you first bring him in here he's just like a like an what is he like an observing doctor watching he, he's like doc- a student yeah he's yeah, a medical he, student he's yeah. as max max the candles um and, and i don't know what that's going to be when defoe like brings him in as far as like come with me because he's like yes, the guy yeah. McCandles clearly is intrigued by by dr baxter but it's like so where's this going from here and the fact that he you know he plays like a you know a good-hearted uh it's not to say oaf, but he plays like a good-hearted dimwit, um, even though he's a doctor. And it's mm-hmm. it's very like sweet. He's very he's like very sweet by a fault, and that makes him it doesn't put him in the same league as like Mark Ruffalo, but it, you know, there's a reason why Bella is better than all of the people that she's around. Um and so and but watching McCandle's interactive defoe, it's like, I don't know what this is gonna be, and you just see it be kind of it becomes this like nice friendship. Like at first, it seems kind of anim. There may be a little bit of animosity there for some, like Buff Defoe because he's just he's not unsure about things. But like, no, these two guys they just genuinely seem to become to respect each other. It's like it's it's interesting. But Abe, I'm curious with you. Like, did you like Rami's performance? We haven't seen him in this kind of capacity. I know. Really. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you this question because 
you and I have both seen the seen the Hulu series Rami, and I'm aware of Rami as a comedian. I like his I like his comedy a lot, and he is bringing dramatic chops to Rami as well. So I mean, it's he not does, yes, un- yeah. unheard of, but yeah, like I'm just curious what you think of Rami here. Yeah, I thought that Rami was very good in this role. It, it is one that is a little bit underplayed um, because he has to be sort of like even the straighter man to the straight man, uh-huh. um, and he also I don't know if I would just use the term you know dim witted necessarily or. It's a little I don't think he's like, stupid. It's more yeah. a, a naive, I yeah, guess. Yeah, he's just very plain, yes, yeah. He's very and, trusting. Yeah, very trusting. Yeah, that's the right way. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed his performance because he's not in the movie. Uh, he he kind of bookends the movie kind of thing. And so, you know, he's not one of like the main trio. Um, but when he's there, I enjoy the the conversation that he has with Dr. Dr. Godwin and then also with Bella Godwin about just what they're up to and and i actually just enjoy his presence on the screen because rami himself is a pretty compelling guy um if you ever watch his series like he's really into he wants to be better at he's talked about this on podcasts he wants to be better at directing um and he wants to be better at uh doing like dramatic work and so this is a really fun foray into that uh, with yorgo santhamos adam are you familiar yeah. with rami you know what i wasn't until i was being this film i have not seen the series mm-hmm. um the, the bit I really liked with them was the walk and talk that he and Emma Stone have at the end. Yeah, yeah. There's a big long sequence where there's a walk and talk that, well, not the end, but towards the end of sure, the sure. third act of the film. Yep. And that, just some of the, 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 the questions she asks him and some of the responses he has are, again, just are, kind of like you were saying, Aaron, about, about uh, the foe character, just a genuinely good guy. Yeah. You know, not immune to... Um, not immune to you know feelings of jealousy or, or whatnot, but he he's able to thread the needle um, with some of the things he has to say to this woman that he cares about, and and also too one of the things I liked about the the movie was because early on there's this idea where he's in love with her, he wants to marry her, and yet you know he kind of wants to marry a child because at the time she's still very young, and yet the way that is played it really could have gone like like Aaron was saying in a very creepy direction right and they managed to really thread the needle so that oh, that was cool but excited to see more of what Yusuf's got I gotta look this up on uh, I think it's on Hulu isn't it yeah, it's a Hulu series yeah, yeah it's three seasons in and it's a, it's a good show it's funny I the the first uh instance of Rami that I had was him winning an Emmy um was it emmy or golden globe whatever you want golden globe golden globe you won mm-hmm. um and giving a speech on stage and uh, opening the speech with i'm sure you got most of you guys have no idea who i am right now <laughs> and that made him endearing to me so like ever yeah, since then sure. i was like i like you know i haven't seen his show yet but i like this guy um and then i eventually <laughs> watched his show which is quite good that said i think rami knows based on how the show functions that he, he I, when I say this, I don't mean like he's bad at it, but he's like kind of the worst person in it. Like he's the he's the person I I, I least enjoy in that show because he's show because yeah. he's made these rich you know other characters involving his family and his friends or right. whatnot. And I think that's very much by design. So when you say that he wants to focus on like dramatic acting and directing, that shows. I think his you know the way he directs um, is quite effective as a performer. He's good. Like he's a good performer. I think he's just written himself to be such a. Not a terrible person, but someone that's just like has so many issues. Yeah, he, he's got a lot of like ups and downs in the show. Where yes. I think it's a benefit to the show that it has so many like side characters to focus on at times right, instead right. of like 30 straight episodes of Rami drama. Um, so, in yeah. th- so watching this movie, 
I I agree. Like the fact, like you said, he's underplayed and he's only in it so much. But when he is in it, I do think he's effective. And I think it's neat to watch him playing a person that doesn't have so many anxious hangups beyond just like basic human emotions and stuff that he responds to. But like mm-hmm. he, he is mostly a force of good as far as he he's trying to you know, inform Bella. He's trying to make her, you know, do what he can to help her be better and whatnot. He wants the best for her. He's just, yeah. he, you know, he's like I said, he's kind of naive about like, how do I, how do I, how do I develop a person? I don't know what yeah. that is. Like, yeah. yeah. I find the whole Godwin household and Rami uh, as a guest, they're all very honest people. And I appreciate sure. that uh, throughout the movie. Like none of them, he's not there to like try and get secrets to Dr. Godwin so he can be a better student at the university and he's not trying to like secretly you know slip things here and there um with like the maid and with bella it's like no he's just there to observe because he's been asked to observe he takes great notes and uh he listens to his his mentor presumably dr godwin baxter and they just have interesting and interesting and open conversations because it's not as though when he's trying to find the files that there's a a, a blow up it's just more of like well, yeah, that's what I did. And let me know if you have any questions. I'm happy to answer them. <laughs> exactly. You keep thinking it's going to be that that dark moment where he finds him and there's going to be this big fight or he's going right. to lock him up or cut him open or something. Yeah. And it's, again, it's just this very honest interaction. Of, yeah. Yep. What happened? Again, if you have any questions, you know where to find me. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm around. Speaking to that, that's where the, the Lanthimosness of usually Yorgos has like really funny first and second acts and his third act is like, it, it kind of turns and gets maybe darker than maybe you expected. Um, and I was kind of waiting for that, but I don't think that this one necessarily turns as dark as maybe like the lobster does um, or even killing a restricted deer uh, to that. Uh, well, that killing a restricted deer like is basically a drama. Like, is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, there, there certainly is like a turn. And like the favorite like, becomes more severe as well. I, I yes, hear what you're saying yeah. for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was kind of waiting for that in this movie because uh, I know Yorgos's patterns, but um, I was kind of surprised that this is like what you guys are saying, fairly uplifting toward the end here, which I can really just credit maybe to the original source material. Maybe that's how that story plays out too. I, um, I don't want to get into like spoilers. It does have a, another party come in towards the end to kind of insist yes. on things it's not a ex- too much of an extended period of yeah. time but like it does there there are suddenly like there's a sense of worry i suddenly had towards the end where it's like where's this gonna go exactly i did yeah. too <laughs> but i always kind of underneath it all kind of knew that she wanted to experiment. yeah I, yeah no, I hear she you. was running an experiment which i was happy and pleased by because um, she runs an experiment throughout the middle of the whole entire movie when they're embarrassed which it's is just a, it's the only the sequence where there's like a real threat of yeah. something really bad happening so it's like yep. oh well yeah. <laughs> I, I i could agree with you like if i'm putting my movie head on i'm like well i'm surely bella baxter's not gonna end this movie like dead and desperate in the na- a no ditch somewhere <laughs> but yeah. she's uh, too but cool for that the last performance uh we, and you can talk about the other some other ones too but uh, mm-hmm. gerard carmichael is also here in a significant role as harry yeah. astley the cynic um I, I'm curious what you guys think about this performance. I, I bring that up because Lancimos' style, especially in his like more modern day films or whatever the lobster is, his, you know, his, his non-period films, mm-hmm. you know, the actors are giving like deliberate deadpan performances. It's very much in the writing and in how they speak and perform. Like, you know, it's it's very, it has a very stylized take on like how his characters perform. With the favorite in this movie, it's still there to a degree, but because it's in like a period setting and there's a specific kind of feel for the world we're in, it feels less pronounced. And now you have Gerard Carmichael, 
who just has a whole different kind of energy altogether. And I think he is effective in this movie, but it certainly stands out as like, uh, this is a guy that doesn't do this very often. And I don't think that's, a, that's not me saying the abilities are off or wrong. It's just more like, this feels interesting in a weird way. I don't quite know how the words for, but it, like it, it has its own energy to it that feels different from the others. Uh, I mean, I'm curious what you guys think of, uh, of Carmichael. Adam, initial thoughts? Um, I liked him a lot. I, I wasn't familiar with a lot of his other work. Um, what I found refreshing about uh, his interactions with uh, Bella Baxter is a lot of times we've seen, up to that point, we've seen Bella Baxter interact with men uh, through the lens of her burgeoning sexuality. Mm-hmm. And he's the first person to really engage her mind. Yes. And they really start talking about ideas and concepts. Um, which I really liked. And I also liked, again, like we were talking about some of the other characters in the Baxter household. There's also an honesty. You know, he does something to kind of hurt her. Mm-hmm. And then he tells her later, well, yeah, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done this. I did this to hurt you because I was mm-hmm. mad. Um, and again, I really appreciated that level of honesty. There's a gag with him and uh, the older woman, of Martha Von Kurtzrock, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Mark Ruffalo and the gag of, potentially pitching somebody overboard that is just hysterical yeah. um but no i i his, like his muted response to it is very funny <laughs> ruffalo's physical comedy in that scene is hilarious as well especially like when he gets jabbed in the throat i like that quartet i really enjoyed like the, you know that like what one hates all of this bella's just interested H- harry's like what who is this person i need to find out more and yeah. the and the older woman's just like i love all of this like that's just like she's just along for the riot she's like you yeah. want to pitch me over go for it I yeah i've been can. a widow for a while like this is this is all fun for me um i also want to just bring up an audience moment in my screening where bella's reading um throw i think and then ruffalo takes the book throws it overboard the woman hands her her book the audience started clapping <laughs> and i was like this is yes audience interaction is like, that's a good reaction to that i like that yeah. they're like yeah fuck this guy you know like <laughs> keep reading yeah. uh but as far as like the carmichael thing goes i found him to be very intriguing because of his own personal journey in comedy and if you guys ever have seen um roth annual it's very uh opening and so i i it was very intriguing to to try and see the mixture of this character, but also real Gerard Carmichael in this character, because Gerard has very observational comedy that is also pretty serious, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and it was kind of, I was like, is he really playing a character or is he kind of just playing himself? And that was a very fun thing. But everything you guys said is true uh, about just their honest yeah, interactions. And uh, I really, um, this is also a key moment because, I dig the costume design in this movie. Uh huh. He wears this beautiful, like yellow mustard, golden uh, suit jacket. The its texture looks incredible. And yeah. again, everybody else's costume design is fantastic as well. But that really caught my eye. I was like, "That's a really nice suit jacket uh, that he's got on there." So yeah, kudos to the costume designer in this movie. Give you styling. Yeah. Um. To speak to, I guess one of the other performances kind of speak, we can kind of speak to this section of the movie just because I know mm-hmm. it inspires a lot of thoughts. But like you have Catherine Hunter here. Yeah, I was going to say, dude, I famous, love Catherine Hunter. Famous stage actress. She was previously in The Tragedy of Macbeth, the the Joel Cohen film. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very effective in that movie. That's the, the, the Three Crows. Mm-hmm. Um, here, uh, she plays the madam of the of the establishment of the of the of the, of the establishment. Mm-hmm. Um 
and um she's quite good I, and like her interactions with bella have this interesting uh positive and negative quality to it but like I'm curious what you guys think of this area of the film in general, including like when Hunter's performance or whatnot. Because- I I really enjoy that section. Uh, again, when like you're saying when when it becomes apparent that that's what she's going to do, part of you, uh, part of me at least initially was a little bit. I was pretty unsure. I wasn't sure if I was disappointed or I was just thinking, "Are we really gonna? Is that what we're gonna do? How are we gonna do this?" Um, then I was pleased by how well it worked. Um, Catherine Hunter is really funny. She just randomly fights Emma Stone multiple yes. times, which is really <laughs> funny. Um, but also to Aaron's point from earlier about just the, if this was a few degrees in a different direction, throughout all of her interactions with her client, um, you don't really get the sense that she's in danger. Mm-hmm. It's not like she is being used and abused you get us you know you you feel like no she is there on purpose she is okay with this she is okay and if anything and she's, if it, she's finding ways to make it a better experience for the house in general right she's and, to and meet for you. her clients yeah for everybody yeah involved it's it's very intriguing part of the movie yeah adam keep going oh, the paris section is one of my favorite sections of the film mm-hmm. yeah i i enjoyed this section primarily because of um the way that she gets into the situation, how she handles the situation, how she gets out of the situation. Like the whole entire thing to her is a giant experiment, but also this learning ability because why did she do this in the first place? Because she was told to go get a job and get money. And she said, well, I procured the money. Why are you upset about the way in which I procured the money? You know what I mean? And then there's like all these other factors that come into play about society and societal norms. And I was like, this is very fascinating to take a look at or take on a look about norms and standards and what is okay and what isn't okay and and is really uh, a, a cool read into all of that i think the other thing about it is that um this goes back to like some earlier topics that we were talking about the full immersion of just what happens just even from the get-go from her her hotel stay in portugal with uh, mark ruffalo um, and her sexual awakening in that in that regard i just like that this movie is just, is just constantly they they're not holding back so that you can kind of slowly experience these things. It's just more of like these things happen and she's dealing with it at a pretty rapid pace. So, you know, in terms of like pacing, I'm glad that there are some movies that might've like spoon fed this to you in a way that's like, okay, well now here's this interaction and here's that interaction. It's like, this is all just happening all at once and it happens fairly quickly. And I, I like that this movie is saying, this is not the entire crux of the movie. The, there's a lot else going on, which I think speaks to Aaron's point about the runtime. Um, but I, I kind of just like that this is all just happening and then she deals with it. She gets out of it in a way that uh, because of certain things that happen to characters that she has to return home. But I don't. she she probably would have lived the rest of her life in Paris, maybe. Um, and Adam, to your point earlier, earlier, when they're having their little walk and she's explaining how much how many francs she got and Rami's answer is like seems like you charge too low is right fucking hilarious well also too i mean one of the things that i really love about the the film is you know it's it's a very sexual film mm-hmm. but it is not it doesn't feel pornographic it's not like a blue is the warmest color kind of thing where you just feel like you're being hit over the head with this kind of at least from my view graceless depiction of sex where this was 
you you knew what was going on, and yet it was it was very very frank, but also very funny and felt yeah. very real, and it didn't feel just gratuitous in the way it could have. Yeah, and I think that kind of speaks to some of the. Um, there's a lot of like ec- economies of scale talk in this section too. You know, you know even from um, the the housewoman Catherine Hunter about just this happens and this happens. This is just how things work out. Cause you know, I have bounce to feed as well. Um, and there's people that, that need my help. And this is just a, a means to, uh, to get funds, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. Um, I just like that. I knew all the time that Bella was all just very scientific to her. She was really trying to figure things out with, um, a lot of different personalities and, and, how they come into play. And again, some of it's hilarious and some of it's actually very profound and very strange. Uh, cause there's like one scene where, where a gentleman shows up with, with two, two of his boys. Um, <laughs> but it ends up to be funny because she's still explaining cause she's, she's a really, uh, inquisitive person. Um, and probably going to be an incredible professor, professor. To, uh, to speak Abe, to what you were saying there a little earlier, uh, as far as, the depiction and whatnot, Adam, you were saying the same thing too, but let the, there is a matter of factness to how Lanthimos approaches this that I can appreciate. Yeah. I do think this Paris act is a bit long. Um, sure. As far as, yeah. But, but I will say it's not a matter of pacing for me. Like, it's not like the film felt slow. I do feel like the film's very, because of its directness and what it's going for. I, I don't think it, it, it lacks a, um, it's not it's not patting itself on the back for the way it's approaching the variety of scenes throughout this movie. It's like look what we're getting away with, or look how daring we are. I don't think it's like priding itself on the fact that it's do you know get doing the kinds of things it's doing. Mm-hmm. I I do think it you know it's expansive in a way that's not the worst thing in the world, but I do think the movie's it just goes on a little longer than it might need to. But regardless, sure. I do the think other sections as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I think there's I like the. The boat section, I think, is my favorite. I think it's just very strong throughout there because there's just a, the variety of characters we get and what have. Regardless, mm-hmm. I, I, in relation to this specific sequence, like yeah, it, there are ways where yes, it could approach these sequences in ways that are just less, just handled with, with lesser steady hands. But I think Lantimos knows what he's after, even if I, you know, w- wouldn't have minded to kind of get on with it a little bit more. But still, it uh. It's effective um, mm-hmm. as far as seeing where Bella is now at this point, where, you know, in a, from a society standpoint, she's in like her lowest place. And yet, you know, from a from a knowledge standpoint, she's like at her peak here. She's just she's consuming more right. and learning more and evolving and becoming a stronger character overall. Like it, that, it's interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. Uh, as we round out all the characters here and some sections, uh, kudos to cinematography. Kudos to production design. Um, I really like the padded floors that they had in in the Baxter household. Uh, <laughs> it looked like it was like really cushiony um, flooring for a lot of rooms. Um, and again, costume design is impeccable taste here. So uh, come award season, I, I'd be curious what they could get nominated for. Um, and they're they're strong contenders. It's a, it's gonna clean up with nominations based okay. on having so many good performances as well as all these technical aspects you know whether or not it wins it certainly has a lot of competition it's sure. gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be high up there on the numbers when you're counting all these along with like oppenheimer and probably killers the flower moon right um, and well deserved i agree with you i think like it's such a 
it, it you know I, I described this at the very beginning as a blank check film for Yorgos Lanzimos, and he's certainly delivering on it as far as he was given the means to make a very his his big his largest scoped film yet, and every aspect of it feels like you know the money's on screen as low budget that this might be compared to other you know giant massive budgeted movies. Mm-hmm. Everything here feels like there's purpose to the design, um, right? Which, which is yeah. you know rewarding when you have a film that's so successful, you know, especially it, especially their carriage. Just a carriage. Um, we're down to the little details, like the kind of ball that Margaret Qualley gets smacked in the face with every now and then, which is also really funny. But uh, um, so yeah, any other thought? I'm trying to think of anything else we didn't cover uh, here. Did you guys like the score? By the way, I mentioned the score. Oh like, yes, I, I thought the score was fantastic. Really helped to catapult the movie um, into the scenes that you're watching. But very remember, re- remember. Uh, memorable memorable thank you yeah yeah it's not the kind of score i would put on to listen to outside of watching the film agreed it's so it's so tied to what you're seeing but it is perfect for the film that it's in but again it's not the kind of thing you're gonna listen to separately right i agree with that like i said i think it's perfect for the movie Mm -hmm. you know there's other scores i have from this year that i listen to i can like write and stuff like that this one is just like it's so distinctive and has these weird bits in it. It's by was it? It's by uh, Jerskin Fendricks, who appears in the movie during the scene where there's the big dance. Um, oh, yeah, he's like playing okay. wacky instruments that you've never seen before. It's oh, like, that's him. Okay, yeah. I, I saw it when I saw it the first time. I'm like, that's probably the composer. And then I saw a picture <laughs> of the composer. I'm like, yep, that's completely him. <laughs> it's yeah. like he's... the way Mark Ruffalo enters the, the the dance floor. Fucking hilarious. One of my favorite. It's what I I released a favorite movie moments of the year <laughs> list last week, and that that dance scenes on there. Lanthimos has dance scenes in all of his movies that are very funny, uh-huh. uh, and this one killed me, especially because Ruffalo is already frustrated with Bella, and yet she's gone on randomly to go dance, and he's just completely into it. He's like, "Yeah, I'll join on yeah, this." Exactly. Like, it's just like, <laughs> there's such a joy in his face when he's like, yeah. "This sounds fun." <laughs> like I'm tired yeah. of arguing. Yeah. You just get here. One of the things I'll talk about there is great. That I noted was uh, one of the best moments in the favorite is this shot of Olivia Coleman. It starts kind of wide and then it just pushes in. And she's in one place emotionally when the shot starts. And her face, she just gradually changes by degrees until she, you get to the close-up. And she's in a completely different emotional state. Uh-huh. Tremendous piece of acting. Yeah. There's a similar scene in this one with Ruffalo, Ruffalo sorry, um, where he's just getting more and more upset as the shot goes on but it's, it's it's not set up the same way it's not a push in it's not anything like that but it reminded me a bit of the coleman moment and just kind of what what lanthimos asks of his actors and what they're able to give him and just how tough it would be to do that over and over again if it took you know a bunch of takes yeah yeah oh. commitment was high for sure and the commitment certainly shows and 100 uh, percent. yeah we we already know uh, that Yorgos Lanthimos and Emma Stone have like they already shot like a couple more like short films at least about uh, this same character. No, just like oh, in general, okay. just because they, you know, between this and the favorite, they they certainly seem to have a, a strong working relationship and a lot of trust given the kind of character that this is. So I mean, yeah, I mean if it's gonna keep producing more very entertaining and lively films, you know, I think. Well, I mean, if you think about Emma Stone, I mean Emma Stone's a good performer. Um, I wasn't huge on her performance in La La Land. It's not bad, but. But it wasn't something I was crazy about. Sure, yeah. you know her her best performance to date that I had seen was the favorite, and then you see this, and it's just that he, the two of them working together, kind of get some notes out of her her ability that 
maybe don't get a chance to get played in other films. Right. Again, I this is shaping up to be a very interesting lead actress category. It's almost like uh, last year when, you know, people were like, I was saying, okay, Michelle Yeoh all the way. Love <laughs> Michelle Yeoh. Gotta be Michelle Yeoh. Then I watched Tar. I was like, well, damn it. <laughs> because at that point, I was fine either way. I was like, whichever one of them takes it, I have no problem. That was a tough one, too. Uh, but yeah, Timmy Show Yo. Anyway, um, yeah. Well, Poor Things is currently playing in theaters. It's spreading in more and more theaters, especially as we're in the award season. So that's going to just kind of keep going for it. When should people go and see this movie? Adam, when should people see Poor Things? It really depends on on what kind of films you're into and what you enjoy if you don't like weird shit don't know no. um, this movie is not for the faint of heart it really isn't it so basically like we were saying earlier when you watch the tra- if you watch the trailer and you like what you see you should go right away and see it um because it's your kind of movie and if you don't like the trailer and you don't like what you see just know that it gets a lot weirder than that mm-hmm. so that's what i would say Abe. Yeah, it was kind of hard because I some friends I I texted some friends about this movie and they're like, oh, should I go see it? And I was like, I don't think it's really in your wheelhouse because exactly what Adam said here. If you're into weird movies and you're into your and you know Yorgos Lanthimos movies, you should go see this in theaters. I think it would actually be really rewarding because especially with the audience members that you'll be with, a lot of my audiences was pretty with it, including you know the clapping I mentioned and also the laughing. Um, I did mention some people left though, and I don't know what the trailer is cut like, but if you are not really into that, this would have to be a, a, a little bit later. But I would tell people to go check this out in theaters if you're curious. There, there's nothing misleading about the trailer okay. for this movie. Like, if you watch the trailer, no. you, have, you get what's going on here. Not one of those, like, we're a musical and we're not going to show anybody singing, right? Yeah, I would no. imagine that those people that left your theater probably left because it's the black and white section of the film that's setting everything up. It does go on a bit. It kind of needs sure. to because it's setting everything up. I imagine, I'm guessing here, but... If nothing had really happened yet, as far as the color sequences, maybe they were just bored. Yeah, I would think so. And maybe they were just like, I don't like her stabbing this cadaver in the eyes with this couple. <laughs> or when she grabs the genitals and yeah, like, and oh, plays no, with it for a little bit. Yeah. yeah, but um, I want to keep emphasizing that this is a very funny movie. Um, yes, it is. I, am I going to call this a mainstream comedy? No, but I do think it's a, you know the the weirdness is like if you look at just the poster, it's like yeah, this movie looks weird. Like yeah, you win. It's weird. Um, and on top of that, it's very funny. Um, and I would certainly, you know, on top of being well acted and everything, it's just it it has the entertainment value that I think deserves a, a theater watch as far as that scale is concerned. I would certainly sure. say go see it in a the theater if you're happy to embrace the kind of searchlight art house adjacent kind of films. Yeah, this is one of those. And it's a very, you know, well done movie in that regard. All right. Well, we've talked about poor things. Let's move on to greater things. It's uh, a what uh, what time is it over here? It is time for a quick game. Little known fact, that's actually the song that plays whenever Willem Dafoe is teaching at the medical school. Yeah, it's just a, yeah that's the it's bell. It's just playing softly in the background. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I do have a game for you guys okay. this week. It is called Built to Last. Ooh. This is a film featuring a film? This is a game featuring films <laughs> where all the all the answers are are movies that are inspired by in some way Frankenstein um in some capacity or another. Okay. People, people building people to some degree mm-hmm. or other things. 
Okay. So I'm going to read to you the taglines of these movies. First tagline became of the year. Uh, you have to guess what movie I am referring to. If uh, this is too hard, I will provide some clues. But if, <laughs> but if you feel know the answer, say your name, and then the answer. Okay, sounds good. Say my name, say my name, say Exactly. Sorry. If no one is around you. Okay, here's the first one. Be warned, it's alive. Abe. Abe. 1933 Frankenstein? Uh, 31. Um, 31. I'm going to say no, but you're on the right track. Okay. Uh, Adam. Adam. Bride of Frankenstein. Incorrect. The answer is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Oh. Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein. I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Doggone it. Because it's alive wouldn't really be a catchphrase in 31. I don't know. You'll be scared out of your seats. Jiminy Crickets. Look yeah. out. <laughs> Here's the next one. To erase the line between man and machine is to obscure the line between men and gods. Oh, man. Abe? Abe? I, Robot? Incorrect. Mm, okay. I, I, I thought of that, too. Um, thanks for jumping off the plank first. <laughs> Can you read the tagline again? To erase the line between man and machine is to obscure the line between men and gods. Hmm. This is a tough one you've come up with, Aaron. <laughs> this is an Academy Award winning film. Wow. For one May we category. have the decade, please? 2010s. Huh. Uh, Adam. Yes? Ex Machina. Ex Machina is the correct that's answer. That's a great, yeah. That's, that's a that was one. my favorite film of that year. That's stunning movie. There you go. It's a great movie. Here's the next one. Let there be light, let there be laughter, let there be legs, let there be lust, let there be lips. What? <laughs> um, Abe. Abe? Little Shop of Horrors. Incorrect, mm-hmm. though you're on the right track. Damn it! <laughs> I love the way you just so positively, like, incorrect, Abe. <laughs> because it's a, it's a good guess as like the far lips as part. <laughs> you, you, have a, you have a decade in mind that's correct you have a genre in mind that's correct okay (laughs) adam's all up to you buddy add any thoughts god um man i'm gonna need another clue this is a famous midnight movie oh Oh, why am i blanking on every midnight movie ever except for rocky horror picture show maybe maybe Uh, that's the one i don't know Lord, I feel like I should know this answer, and I am totally blanking, brother. Okay, can I, yeah. can I, can I yes. give another answer? Yes, Abe. Is it Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? No, it's the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Ah! <laughs> oh, you no. said it, Adam. <laughs> I should. Well, I've never watched it, so I was. Just... It, it is a Frankenstein movie. <laughs> oh Lord! Here's the next one. Okay. This might be obscure. It's a secret. Oh, sorry, a secret experiment will break the laws of science and create an animal-human hybrid. Whoa, that's a very specific tagline. <laughs> yeah, animal-human hybrid. Hmm. Um, what year is this? Abe. Abe. Splice. It is Splice. Look yes! at you. <laughs> good job, man. Good, good guess. Yes! I'm just going to try Frankenweenie. But... <laughs> oh, that'd be a good one, too. When is Splice? Is that 2010? Is that why I'm blanking? Yeah, it's, oh, it's 2009. Okay. 
That's 2009. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like right at the end. So I was like, is it the tens or is it an aughts film? Mm. Okay. Next one. The electrifying dog is back from beyond the grave. Adam. Adam. Frank and Weenie. It's Frank and Weenie. That's <laughs> correct. <laughs> I was I'm not going to make that mistake twice. I'm going to say it, man. Yeah, I would have buzzed in early, but I was like, Adam already got this one. <laughs> that, behind... that poor guy, I'm going to let him have his after his midnight <laughs> movie miss. <laughs> to give you a behind the scenes of how the games work, that's because Splice is so hard to me where I'm like, do Frank and Weenie because that's easier. <laughs> I don't have a, have a midway break. <laughs> well, thank you. How thoughtful. Here's the next I'll one. I'll happily back clean up behind Abe and is a wonderful Otani-like leadoff. L.A. Dodgers, Otani. Um, yeah, that's right. This uh, this next one, <laughs> I might need to give some clues, but the tagline is the one name they all fear. Oh, that's a great tagline, though. It'd be really great if this movie was well regarded. Abe. Abe. I Frankenstein. Incorrect. Mm, all right. This <sighs> was a a May kickoff blockbuster. From the can, aughts. Can I hear the tagline again? The one name they all fear. Hmm. The mid-aughts? The aughts. I guess it is the mid-aughts technically. But yeah. Okay. Uh, Adam. Adam? I don't think this is correct, but Jonah Hex? Incorrect. What is it? It's Van Helsing. Okay. Which okay. features Frankenstein. Yeah, tagline can be for a better movie. Yeah. Frankenstein's monster, along with Dracula and the Wolfman, and a special guest, um, uh, Mister Hyde. So they're all in there. Yeah, yeah. Stay tuned for more on that movie on this summer's summer of two thousand four at twenty on the Brandon Peter Show. <laughs> um, not kidding. Um, <laughs> that's just that's a six month tease. That's all that is. <laughs> five months. It's May. Five month tease. Next one. The future of law enforcement. Oh, Adam. Oh, I heard Adam. Adam. Okay. Uh, Robocop. Robocop. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would have gotten it wrong. <laughs> what were you going to say? I'm going to say iRobot. iRobot. <laughs> but I guess, Look, the, I, I guess I robot is a great movie, but one. I don't stop trying to make it happen. I don't think it's coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fetch, Adam. <laughs> Alex Crowe asked for the win, man. Here's the next one. <laughs> Journey to a world where robot dream. Sorry, let me say it again. Journey to a world where robots dream and desire. Ooh. Mm. I know Come what on. I. It sounds like, but I don't think that's the tagline. Yeah, I. Some of these had multiple taglines, and I tried to choose. I, I we've done tagline games a lot, so I'm trying to like make sure I utilize all of them. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is wrong. I'm going to say Adam. Um, I'll say Blade Runner. Incorrect. Can I hear the tagline again, please? Journey to a world where robots dream and desire. We're like those kids in a spelling bee. May I have the tagline yeah. used in a sentence? Can you tell yeah. me the origin of this? No. Um, where, where robots dream and desire. I want to say that it is um, bi Bicentennial Man. You're on the right track. It's not, but it is AI artificial Damn intelligence. It! But that's okay. I thought of that, except that that is incorrect because he doesn't dream until the end of the film when he dies. The whole point is that robots cannot dream. 
Much like most of the audience back in 2001, the tagline also misinterprets AI artificial <laughs> Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. So I, I, was, I was thinking of that, but I'm like, no, it doesn't make any sense because they don't dream. <laughs> Love that movie. Here's the next one. Three more. Okay. His story okay. will touch you even though he can't. I, I've heard of this movie. I think I've used this one on this game before. So, oh, man. But it's a good tagline. His story will touch you even though he can't? Correct. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to be so mad. Adam. There you are. Adam. Edward Scissorhands. It is Edward Scissorhands. Ah, yeah, that is correct. That, that's a good tagline. Though. Yeah, it's a good tagline. Um, And I, I'm still waiting for the inevitable announcement of Edward Scissorhands, too, because uh, can't wait for that. Well, it keeps snowing, so they know he's alive. He's so snowing. Yeah. <laughs> Edward Scissorhands to Clippers Revenge. I've been writing my whole <laughs> most anticipated list uh, uh -huh. for the year, and if you were to tell like you know teenage me that I wouldn't be excited for Beetlejuice two, I'd be like, "You're crazy!" But oh my god, I cannot. <laughs> the, the things I'm not excited for, Beetlejuice two is very high on that list. Well, don't say don't say it one more time. You've already said it twice. I I stopped. Okay, thank you. Jeez. If anything, you're trying to coax me into doing it. No, don't do it. Like some kind of an idiot. <laughs> I see what happens. Yeah, we're not. I don't, know, I don't have time to shake Sonora around these parts. <laughs> I'm not your coach. He's fine. <laughs> All right, two more. Okay. Even monsters need a vacation. Damn. <laughs> um, God. Um, monsters need a vacation. Um, a Frankenstein-esque movie. This well, is not necessarily. It, like it, it could just be about artificial intelligence or robots or people making. Oh, right. Things. This movie was the start of a franchise. Abe. Abe. Monsters Inc. In incorrect. Mm, Who's right. taking vacations in Monsters Inc.? My Mike Wazowski. And what Frankenstein character is in that movie? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them. <laughs> I don't think he takes a vacation. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, Mike gets a new car. Yeah, but he he just he just goes on a date <laughs> with his girlfriend. That's in the short film. Yeah. Abe, do you have, even or, monsters Adam? need a vacation. They you monsters need a vacation. It's mm -hmm. the start of a franchise. I I know the answer now. Yeah, I bet you do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna guess. defer my guess because I have no idea. So Abe, go for it. Hotel Transylvania. Hotel Transylvania is the correct answer. Can you give that point to Adam? I get. I get. That. No, I. I do not want the point. I. <laughs> I, I deferred because oh, I did. I had no idea. Such a gentleman. Here's the last one. Okay. The scariest comedy of all time. Ooh. I don't think my sister had a movie out about her. <laughs> <laughs> scariest comedy of all time. Um. Hmm. Imagine that written like on a marquee in big bold letters to try to get the tone for what I'm saying. The scariest comedy of all time. Um. Oh, Adam. Adam. Would it be Young Frankenstein? It is Young Frankenstein. Uh, yeah. That's very correct. You got it. Yes, that Dr. is the correct answer. Good one. Good one. All right. Well, Abe, you you came up in a in a in a small second place this week. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Compared to Big Adam's uh, multi-point win here, he's in first place. Adam, good job. Congratulations on the winning built to last. Yay, congrats, Adam. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. Now, all right. I, now I'm glad you gave me that point. <laughs> what was the point spread? Again, you have? didn't get the points. I got Oh, them. you did it. You didn't give it to me. I either. got them. I have my own tally. <laughs> so I, I put that very specifically. <laughs> very fine. That's fine. I, I accept that. Wow. 
is this is very uh very intense games that we play around here yes this is true <laughs> that's right well that was fun let's move on let's get to some out now feedback 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 this is where we get to the various questions answered on our facebook page facebook.com podcast we asked a number of questions to our listeners and they gave us some answers and then we got a question as well this week but uh let's adam feel free to throw in any as we uh go through these Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Uh, First question here is, what are your favorite Frankenstein-inspired films? Chris Leland has Edward Scissorhands and Frankenstein's Army. Kevin Taft writes, not this. Uh, referring to poor things, I believe. Yes, yeah. Scott Laster writes, who can forget the classic? The Thing with Two Heads. Philip Hurt has Ex Machina. And Todd Liebenau has Edward Scissorhands. I will shout out our Bride of Frankenstein episode that we recorded back in uh, October with... Uh... Professor Mike Dillon, because yeah. that's a really strong episode. Uh, really, it's a fun covered, episode. Really covering that uh, that movie. Yeah, she shows yeah, up for I'll, the last I'll 10 minutes. Uh, Ex Machina and then AI Artificial Intelligence, which is one of my favorite uh, Spielberg films. Mm-hmm. All right. Abe, any additions? Um, Frankenstein-inspired films where they're kind of just like remaking people. Mm. No, nothing comes up top of my mind. That's a funny answer. <laughs> We could say Star Wars. Who are they Frankensigning? Captain Kirk? Darth Vader. Darth bro. Vader. Oh, Star Wars. Okay. Wait, which? Oh, oh you're Star Wars. <laughs> I said Captain Kirk with the whole entire, like, Polly Wally Wagam or whatever. As you know, you my, my mind would never go there, so I didn't think of that at all. <laughs> May the force be with you. <laughs> all right. Next question. What is your favorite Emma Stone performance? Chris Cleveland has La La Land and the favorite, but hoping poor things will be the third. Uh, Mark Hoffmeyer has the favorite is number one. Poor things is number two. Trying to avoid recency bias, but she's so good in them. Hmm. Philip Hurd has La La Land. Jason Hemming has Easy A, Poor Things, La La Land, and the favorite. Scott Neil Astor writes, Easy A. She was brilliant in that film. A lesser talent would have made the roles seem a bit vulgar, but she brought a vulnerability to that part. Mm-hmm. That is a good role. Uh, I'm going to... She's also good in Corolla, but I mean, I again, I'm, I'm pretty taken by poor things. Uh, she's she's done a very good job here. Um, and then I think my real answer is Aloha. <laughs> so, did you guys know that she's a quarter Asian in that movie? So. I'm going to go with... Uh... The Lanthimos films and also Birdman. Okay, there. And uh, and also too, super charming in uh, Crazy Stupid Love. That's true. Yeah. But no, I mean Birdman. Come on, she's so good in that movie. As um, as anime eyes, anime eyes, but also as the daughter <laughs> of uh, Birdman himself. That that's right. Yeah. Anything for you, Aaron? I would agree with um the yeah, Lanthimos films and Birdman. Oh, I thought you were gonna honestly. say with me. With the yeah, Aloha, yeah. Um, featuring uh, John Krasinski's big nose as a silent man character. Remember, I just played a guy that like he, he doesn't say anything. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's just like, like he's like he's husband. A, it's yeah. McAdams, right? He's he's her husband, and he, yeah. he just like he talks in guy code because that's Cameron Crowe trying to be clever in that movie. I don't know what happened in that movie, but anyway, <laughs> one of those wild moments when you just think to yourself, really, did no one say, "Hey, guys, this is a bad idea," and the answer is know. no, no one did. <laughs> correct that's, that's what i they think said. so yeah uh well the next question here is what are some notable movie characters with elaborate makeup facial designs 
Brandon and Peter, friend of the show, has Emperor Palpatine in Star Wars called The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Hilarious callback to all of his answers for us. Todd Lubino writes The Elephant Man. Scott yeah. Laster writes Gary Oldman in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm. Robert James, friend of the show, has most of Lon Chaney's career, much of Boris Karloff's, Bella Lugosi as Yorgo, uh, Igor. Igor. Yeah, in Son of Frankenstein. And Philip Hurd, lastly, writes Darth Maul and Hellboy. And these are all very good makeup designs. Um, Anytime Doug Jones is on the screen in a Guillermo del Toro show. Sure. I'll throw in um, Nosferatu, especially just because of it being 1922 and the way that 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 design is held so strong for over a century. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just it's a really it's a creepy design. It really it's really effective. Um, I'm going to say. Jim Carrey in the mask. There you go. That is a good like. What makes that really resonate is when you see people wearing like Halloween costumes of the mask and they look like, you know, the worst thing you've ever seen in yeah, your life. Yeah. So it's like, God, that carry mask is fucking great because <laughs> yeah. no one can replicate it. Eye cheekbones. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's so you it's obviously designed to his face. And, you know, it's an right. elaborate makeup prop as opposed to a, you know, ten dollar Halloween costume. And you need you need his body shenanigans. too. Yeah, all that all that adds to it. Yeah. But it's just like when you see just so many people dressing up as the mask for Halloween is like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, next one we have here. What's your favorite Mark Ruffalo performance? Mark Hoffmeyer has Safe Men. Adam, you wrote his work in Avengers Age of Ultron. And Philip Hurd has Zodiac. Mm. Oh, Zodiac. Good call. That is a good one. Uh, I, yeah, go ahead. I have a couple of... Um, uh, of, uh, of grammatically long titles, uh, you 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 can count on me, and That's the kid, and, and the kids are all right. Those are both the answers I was gonna say as like non joke answers. Like he's great in those early movies. He uh, he like in I hadn't watched the kids are all right in a while. I watched it pretty recently because I watched Nyad. I'm like, what's the other? Annette Benning plays a stern lesbian movie, and so I watched that one, which I, I, really I thought about that too when I watched that trailer. <laughs> but that's it's a really good movie, and I forgot that's like wonderful, and it's like. Those are just like human people. Like there's yes. nothing, there's no frills about those characters beyond like the drama they're specifically going through in that yeah. film. And the fact that Ruffalo is just so good in that movie. He's along, not even a bad guy. Along with Julia Moore and Emnet Benning. It's just like, yeah, yeah, it's just people cut up in a situation that's right. affected or whatever. But he's like, he's really good in it. Yeah. But <laughs> in a way where like, he is like fantastic. That's a great the dynamic of yeah. the, the brother sister relationship and just how, how hurt this guy is. But also he's trying to like do well, he's trying to be better. And um, yeah, they have like incredible dramatic phone calls in that movie. I just remember watching Kids Are All Right um, at a film society, a particular film society uh, event and standing around afterward and just talking with different people and talking about, you know, people were trying to say, well, some people were of the opinion, you know, well, Mark Ruffalo was trying to butt in to a family that he shouldn't have been butting into and it wasn't a place. But I was saying, but wait a minute. But he didn't ask to be invited there. They invited him. And then it, and it was just such a complex family look, you know, look at a different, at a family and just you like, like you guys were saying, you just feel for everybody in that movie. And Julianne Moore's work in that movie is just wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, the next question here is what are some great films focused on characters liberated in some way? Philip Hurt has the great escape, uh, stranger than fiction and Brazil. These are some, Pretty good movies there. One one Brazil? philosophical is... and I guess 
I, I'm, I'm, I guess in a way, but it doesn't last. <laughs> I would say that Brazil is a wonderful film. I don't think it applies to this category. I mean, but I can see an argument for it. I can it. see how some person, yeah. It, <laughs> but, um, uh, I like getting guys to make you think. Um, what are some <laughs> other ones? Uh, characters liberated in some way. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, um, I also thought about this while watching Poor Things as well, but Fifth Element uh, with Lou Dallas. Multipass. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not a huge I'm not a huge fan of the film. It's it's fine. Uh, I'm surprised people aren't playing uh, Shawshank. Because of uh, uh, the way that he goes to watch Neo? Yeah. No, the whole point is about your liberation. Oh, 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 I didn't I didn't read that the first time that I saw the movie ever. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was I was gonna I was not too sure about your police work. There, you're, yeah, you're gonna be like I can't trust Abe's opinion on anything now. Uh, um, Wally, yeah, go ahead. Wally, I love it. Yes, a good pull, man. Now now I want to go watch Wally. <laughs> pull up Wally anytime I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah so I watched cool. it for the first time the other day since seeing it in the theater, and I enjoyed it so much more because I wasn't a big fan in theater. Mm. So this was it was good to get you to see it again and little distance and little maturity and go okay this is pretty cool um being there is another one Peter being Sellers. there okay yeah. um very that and wally are very similar <laughs> but um <laughs> if you got to put them together uh next question what comedians have surprised you with their acting ability todd liebenau has pete davidson in the king of staten island and philip heard has i didn't really know her but aquafina was terrific in the farewell yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. So that you know, has been seeing her various comedies. I mean, yeah, it's it's a yeah. it's a strong performance. It is uh, a very strong performance. Did she get nominated for something? Uh, or maybe not. She was certainly in the running. She did not an Oscar, but yeah. there is Lulu Wang is the one that got nominated mostly. I think that movie got shut out from Oscars. It certainly had all its, its um because it was notable because like it didn't even get like a screenplay. Oh, but it, okay. it was certainly you know in the conversation and like had plenty of other you know spirit awards and stuff like that going for yeah. it. Yeah. Other comedians that surprised you with acting ability? Um, hmm. I mean, shout out Robin Williams. That's a great answer. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's one of the things that kind of held him back from like Goodwill Hunting was just like, oh, Robin Williams is going to be like funny in this. It's like, he's not funny. I mean, he is, but also it's a very serious performance, and he's he's very good in it. Well, that, that part where he, you know, like he doesn't he slam. Matt Damon up against the wall and just tell him if you do that again, I will end you. Yeah. Just the way he puts that, like, oh damn. Damn, Robin. I mean, he did the same thing to one of those Lawrence boys and Mrs. Doubtfire. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the middle Lawrence. Yeah. Um I mean, if I'm going back, like an obvious one is Jim Carrey, where, you know, as a fan of Jim Carrey in the 90s, seeing him do Truman show all of a sudden, it's like, this is great. This is great. More with more of this. That's yeah. I want to go more. And then he did the majestic afterward. I mean, after that, it was a man. It was that a man on the moon. um, That's right. Which were back to back Golden Globe wins that did not turn into Oscar nominations. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, he has a more of a dramatic career going forward from there. But that's the first time when it's like you know you got the the in the same you know span of liar liar. It's like and now he's in the Truman Show. Um, Another a recent example I want to look at is uh, Pat Oswalt in um, Young Adult. Yes, uh, very good call. in that. Yeah, that's one where Pat was suddenly like bringing heat as an actor. It's like this is great. Like where'd yeah. this come from? <laughs> like that's not the right Pat and I've seen. 
Um, as far as like stand-up comedians gone into act, uh, Eddie Murphy, Dreamgirls. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like he's good in a lot of other movies as well, where it's like semi-dramatic or when he's not playing Eddie Murphy. Um, I mean, he's good in Beverly Hills Cop too. I mean, I know that's more of a comedy, but he's got he's got really good dramatic beats in that movie as well. But yeah, uh, yeah Dreamgirls. Dream so. Yeah, famously uh, angry and upset after he lost and walked out. Very much so. Yeah, I remember this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wasn't happy. I remember the same way that Michael Keaton also put his. This is the different Oscars, but when he put his his uh, speech away in his jacket, so sad. When you're sitting um, in the front okay. row, uh, people notice. <laughs> maybe maybe he was putting his glasses away. Who knows? I remember one, I had uh, one on the tip of my tongue, and it. it, it gone i'm trying to remember what it was but i had a good one the one i i want to happen because it like is zach galifianakis where he's done stuff but like he's done he's in uh what's the show that we love uh, ba- uh, uh baskets baskets yeah um but there's i'm waiting for like that film to happen that like which okay. i thought was gonna happen with him and todd phillips um, for a while because like they kept doing the hangovers and it kept occurring to me is like clearly these guys want to make like a drama together let them do that and it just hasn't happened but uh and now he's in open to that and now he's in joaquin phoenix land of joker so maybe joker three when zach alfanakis plays calendar man or something we can uh, see where that goes uh, <laughs> i've got um i've got one it's the uh, yes. will will ferrell uh everything must go yeah good performance that's a, sad, that's a tough movie yeah 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 now, I, my favorite will, will ferrell more dramatic performance is stranger than fiction i i adore that film but as yeah. far as a really different thing because Stranger Than Fiction is still kind of still kind of comedic. It's like it's him doing it. things slightly turned on a different degree. Where yeah, like yeah. everything Whereas, must go. That's a very specific performance yeah. he's giving in that movie. Yeah, yeah, that is like that is not a fun divorce dad energy. No, my uh, answer. No, my answer isn't Steve Carell because uh, he just seems to yell at things, and I'm not a big fan. Of it. <laughs> I don't. I don't like his dramatic. Laughing. In Foxcatcher. But in Foxcatcher, it's more of look at all the makeup I'm wearing. Yeah, um, yeah, and he's, yeah. he's fun. Like, but like, like but in what like, about Little Miss Sunshine? I mean, you forget it's him. At least I did at the time. Oh, yeah. That, that's, I, that's, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I will say that is in, that is before he is Steve Carell. That is what he is, a, a comedian who acts at times and is in a daily show. Good performance. Uh, he's great in there. Really After he became huge comedy star Steve Carell, and then he went back to doing dramatic performances like he does in A Beautiful Boy and that. That, that morning that? show, I yeah. I can't stand him doing that. And I, oh, I, really, I really think it's sad. It's grating. How dare you be mean to Dan in real life? <laughs> Dan, that's I was gonna say I love Dan in real life. Yeah, that is, take care of his daughters. That is a that is a fine comedy drama, but again, that's not like yeah. a dramatic performance. That's him with Correct. his head on some pancakes in the poster. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> My uh, here's a thing. My when we saw we saw that in. Uh, at a, in college and i i went with like my roommate and a couple friends i my roommate was i believe very angry that there was no scene where he actually had his head on pancakes <laughs> in the movie <laughs> I, if you tease on the poster you have to do it in the movie you have to do it yeah you have to do it. by the way my last thing about comedians and their acting ability um i think that we've all been very big fans of uh of our guy um barry uh man i can't remember barry Oh, Bill Hader? Bill Hader, yeah. <laughs> like Bill Hader has been a tremendous like movement into dark comedy, dark drama. Um, and he's been great. Uh, and, and, and even before that, when he was in Skeleton Twins, uh, that's not it is a funny movie, but it's also pretty it's dark a serious. Times. Yeah, the serious yeah. aspects of what he's Barry's doing. just like, holy shit, man. Like, yeah, good on you. Very good for sure. Um well, okay. okay. Oh yeah. yeah, you're up. The last question here before we get into questions for us are what are your favorite surreal fantasy worlds seen in non-animated movies? 
Uh, Phil Pert has Life of Pi. Todd Liebenau has Oz. Uh, Oz the Great Power or The Wizard of Oz? The Wizard of Oz. Okay. And Chris <laughs> Cleland has The City of Lost Children. Jean-Pierre Jeunet movie we referenced earlier. Surreal worlds in non-animated movies. <laughs> like you know, the worlds that Guillermo del Toro sets up a lot in a lot of his movies, but specifically in um, Pan's Labyrinth is, is very well done. Um, and even, you know, I didn't like it as much, but um, what was the gothic horror movie that he made? Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak yeah. is a fantastic world that he sets up there. If we want to go that realm, I would say Hellboy 2, Golden Army, has sure. that whole troll market and like all kinds of crazy things going on in that world that I think is why that's one of his four masterpieces. Um, <laughs> surreal fantasy. For some reason, Sin City is coming to mind, which like is a surreal world. Like It's yeah. a, it's, its own thing. Um, it's yeah. operating differently than the world around it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to throw back to um, Pirates of the Caribbean and on the, yeah. the the Flying Dutchman sequences when they're on the ship. I, yeah. mean, I think some of the, some of the VFX. So one of the things that I really, like I said earlier, was noticing about those films again is just how many practical sets they built. And yes. you know, you're looking at close-up shots of a compass on wood or, you know, Davy Jones's tentacles playing an organ or something. And, you know, it's, it's got that sort of surreal feel to it, but some of that close up stuff, you know, still really holds up. Even to this day, I just really feels more tangible in a way that sometimes I think contemporary VFX don't. So oh, yeah, there's, there's not a CG character, I believe more than Davy Jones in dead man's chest. I think that is such a fantastic creation that it's entirely, entirely computer effects to the yeah. point where people are confused if that's actually true, which is wild to me. And yet you look at some of the things from today and it's not like there's not great effects today, but oh yeah, there, there are notable shortcomings in some notable films. And it's like, Davy Jones looked great in 2006 and still does. <laughs> it's yeah, ridiculous. Correct. Yeah, you just like, and also too, like it, it just across it, your timeline you on Twitter. It. Yeah, and it looks great. You just buy it just sort of emotionally where sometimes I've certain things I'll watch and I, I you know, I know it's great VFX work. I know they did a wonderful job and I'm just like, yeah, but I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. Whereas right. Davy, I'm like, yeah, I believe you. <laughs> and part of that's Bill Nye's great performance in that film, but it's also just ILM like fucking knocking it out of the park. <laughs> like, it's like, true. It's like but, I believe you. Please don't touch me. And they're like also not working on like 20 different films at one time, so that probably helped them. I was out gonna say like when they had time to focus. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and my last thing that we, something that Aaron and I both had as like number three on our list from the year that it came out was The Green Knight, which is like a very surreal. Oh well, yeah, okay, it's a good call. David yeah. Lowry himself just like puts really interesting worlds on screen sure including the northmen where they're fighting like a real no, that's eggers that's oh it. eggers sorry but um but lowry yes but i guess eggers too in this case yeah i mean the, the, i mean eggers as you know, the witch and the lighthouse the lighthouse is his own surreal lighthouse is such a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not talking about a weird movie that i like <laughs> okay um let's get to our question we have this one's from mark hoffmeyer friend of the show he writes what's the best 2023 beach scene he has Fist of the Condor, Barbie, No Hard Feelings, so many to pick from. Mm-hmm. Beach scenes from the year 2023. What did he? Sorry, 20, yeah, two, I said it right. 2023. <laughs> what, uh, any beach scenes stand out to you that you could think of? I would say Barbie. Barbie does come to mind. They have a big beach off in that movie. Yeah. The, the biggest beach off, one would say. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's even competitive with different characters trying to beach one another off. Uh huh. Um, Creed three. Uh, is Creed three ever, you, is Creed ever beach scene? Oh yeah, there's like a part the party scene, right? He goes to the party, confronts him. He's like, 
I when I when I see you living my life, and then he calls me like a bitch, and he just like walks away. I was like, this is this is crazy. Like, I I don't know what's happening right now, but this is uh, very intense. But Mark, I'm gonna please, say Wakanda forever, but studies. that's 22 in it. That yeah, it was last year. Was it 22? My bad. It's, it's right. November last year. No, no, Creed no. three is this year. No, uh, Adam's saying uh, Wakanda forever. Oh, Wakanda forever, so which is November two years ago. Man, now it is. Yes, two two while. years ago. Yeah, what time. Um, I will add uh, both Knock at the Cabin and Leave the World Behind have disastrous beach scenes that occur. Oh, okay. Um, where, and I would say the one in, in uh, Leave the World Behind has one specific sequence involving Mahershala Ali that's actually pretty cool to look like from a filmmaking perspective is actually pretty cool to watch mm-hmm. uh, that's set around a beach uh, that I quite enjoy. I was trying to think of any others. Uh, since Marcus Meg 2? Mark is so no because there's no good beach scenes or <laughs> or many good scenes at all in that movie. Um, Dial of Destiny when he's gonna like just leave me here where I can watch the romance. Uh, no, no, I had that on my mind. I forgot that Did one. You? Yeah, the Dial of Destiny actually. That's I mean I I love the third act of that movie and yes it is largely on a beach. So yes I would yeah. count that. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mark, I look forward to to I look forward to Mark's uh, write up for this or the Ringer or something. Well, he has his most obscure awards over at movies, flicks, and movies, films, and flicks, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty fun because he has. I, I contributed to that as well, but he has a lot of random awards for movies throughout the year that it's yeah. a lot of fun to read. Uh, and I'm sure he has beach scenes on there in some capacity. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it. That's gonna do it for that's uh, that's out of feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that's gonna do it for this episode of Out Now Out There and Nate. Uh, you can find everything I do at my personal blog, thecodyzeat.com. Uh, I write movie reviews for Leave Entertainment, Blu-ray, and Criterion reviews for Why So Blue, and I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4, Abe. You can find more fun stuff from my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash Walrus Moose. Hashtag, how did they get these pastries so crisp? <laughs> uh, Adam, anything you like to plug? I don't have any public-facing platforms, so I will just encourage everybody listening to like and subscribe to Out Now with Aaron and Abe on any and everywhere that you can find it hashtag furious jumping <laughs> all right well thank you for that i mean I, I hope we get to have you on more shows have you back yeah. on, the, on the podcast more often because it's certainly fun it was a delight there. delight gentlemen it's always such a pleasure to talk with you guys and it was just fun to sink your teeth into such a such a rich piece of uh piece of work this for sure true. you can find all the other episodes about now authority on itunes audio boom spotify and stitcher sounds like automatically nature to be Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Check out our Facebook, Facebook.com slash podcast or Twitter, Twitter.com slash underscore podcast. And of course, our Instagram page, Instagram.com slash underscore podcast as well. And iTunes reviews ratings once again. Good to get those. Helps out the show. Uh, once again, Adam, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Adam. Happy New Year, my brothers. Thank you. And, and again, everybody like and subscribe. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. Uh, next week is our top 10 episode, top 10 movies of 2023 episode. A very exciting time indeed. You'll be here from us as well as our guests and many other uh, special guests as well chiming in with their top 10. So right. stay tuned for all that. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long and goodbye.
we'll get to our games, which mm -hmm. I have. And do we, we still have... do uh, know everybody? We no. don't do know everybody anymore. Okay. Got yeah. It. yeah. Um, boy, that's a callback. That was, yeah, I was like, <laughs> right when you said it, I was like, I felt old. <laughs> hey, uh, man, I'm still waiting to get on the Avengers podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 